from a thousand miles Hear the heavens open Every time she smiles When I come to her That's where I belong Yet I run into her Like a river strong She give me love, love Gotta find sense of humor when I'm feeling low down. And when I come home to her, when the sun goes down, take my troubles away, take away my grief, take away my heartache in the night like a Give me love, 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 love,
Thursday. Good morning to everyone listening online on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Everyone listening on JohnnoRadio.com. And everyone here with me on Clubhouse. It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. We're taking it, taking it back to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s with love songs. Getting you ready for Valentine's Day. Or I should say love day, even though every day is a day to show love. And I'm 
Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Coffee and Toe. We're all news on the go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Every day it's a different theme. Mondays, it's Soka Styley. Tuesdays, it's Turn Tub Tuesday. You never know what you're going to get. Wednesdays, we celebrate women. Thursdays, it's Throwback Music and we, any genre. And then on Fridays, we have Freestyle Friday inside the Friday Mix. And that again, it, you never know what genre we're going to jump into. But yeah, we um, recognize everything here on Coffee and Toe. Um, we are global. <laughs> I never wanted it to be just one specific um, sect, right? Um, we embrace everyone. After all, we do live in a world, right? We're not just people from one place <laughs> and we integrate, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's why you'll hear different types of music here on Coffee and Toe. All right, so now we're going to go ahead and get started. Where are you, Damien Marley? Once again, to everyone listening online on the Quality Music Zone, QFZRadio.com and JohnORadio.com. Thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee Intel World News on the Go. Tune in every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. You can find me on Twitter. Twitter, not only find me, but follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on TikTok moments with me media and the mean everything is am I and now for the headlines we have coming up for you today out of the Caribbean corner. FAO launches regional projects to boost 
food production in the Caribbean. Who remembers this store, FAO Shorts? I don't know. As I saw the this abbreviation, that's where my head went to. FAO Shorts. Yeah. A uh, woman appointed to highest political office in, in the Caribbean. BVI police detained woman for money laundering. Another woman. Oh my gosh. Guyana president urges the defense force to be prepared to defend the country and also out of Guyana, they are to construct resort-style luxurious wooden homes. In St. Lucia, export the runway business expo to showcase local products and services. And out of Jamaica, police have so far issued $35 million in e-tickets since february 1 what the heck is what every every um <laughs> this is just ridiculous every driver in jamaica look like get that ticket or them it's just an issue ticket okay we're gonna talk about that those stories and more <laughs> out of latin america legendary cuban-american performer celia cruz to appear on the u.s quarter a cuban man who was part of an international custody battle in south florida goes into politics on the international scene hopes fade as rescuers press search for quake survivors in turkey and syria first u.n aid reaches northwest syria as death toll now tops 17,000. in news out of north america a canadian teen is 48 million dollars richer and uh, a reporter arrested during news event on Ohio train derailment. Those stories and more. On the business scene, Disney plans to cut 7,000 jobs and reward shareholders. Everybody's just cut, 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 cut. It, it's not, what's that song? Cut it, cut it, cut it. Is that what everybody's listening to? Oh boy. Uh, if you have Fabuloso in your house, you may want to stay tuned for this one. Uh, and Twitter's new data access rules will make social media research harder. We're going to have a black history moment. Uh, sports news, LeBron James is the NBA's new scoring king. And Argentina, Chile, Paraguay, Uruguay make joint 2030 World Cup bid. Those stories and more, plus always great conversation coming up for you. Here is a little more music as we take you down lover's lane. Atlantic Stars, Secret Lovers. Ask me why I love this song, but I love this song. Here we are, the two together, 
Gotta pull this one back up. Gonna ride this one out until the bottom of the hour when we go ahead and get started with the Caribbean corner. This is the group as yet. Last night. Kicking it off in the Caribbean corner. Gotta say a big thank you once again to everyone listening online, QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Of course, a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse because this is where the conversation happens. Thank you for tuning in to Coffee Until World News on the Go. And our first story, FAO launches regional projects to boost food production in the Caribbean. The Food and Agriculture Organization, in collaboration with the governments of Dominica, Grenada, St. Lucia, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines, met to launch a cluster of regional projects 
that aim to boost local production and export of agricultural produce. Where is Don? Excuse me. Where is Donald to hear this story? Isn't this something we've spoken about even as recent as this week? Well, yeah, it's, you know, good, good, good. Meeting of the minds. Over the past years, countries of the Caribbean, like many others worldwide, have experienced high rises in food prices and agricultural inputs. The COVID-19 pandemic and the Ukraine-Russia war have further exasperated these costs and those related to imported goods. In addition, many Caribbean countries have relied heavily on imported goods over the years, whilst also suffering from a decline in the export of prime agricultural crops such as bananas and sugarcane that traditionally and significantly contributed to their economies. These factors have led to an increasing need to transform the region's agriculture food systems and find ways of boosting the export of other indigenous crops to increase foreign exchange earnings and rebuild economies. To support this effort, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations Sub-Regional Office for the Caribbean, in collaboration with the governments of the Commonwealth of Dominica, Grenada, St. Lucia and St. Vincent and the Grenadines are launching a regional cluster of projects on promoting Windward Islands food production and trade corridor through national and regional value chain development. On February 3, the ministers of agriculture from these countries, along with other government representatives, joined the FAO for an hour-long virtual launch presentation and discussion on the regional projects. Well, I'm so, I feel so good. I feel so good reading this article. The discussions focused on plans under the project to build resilient and competitive value chains that can promote exports and reduce the importation of goods. The regional projects aim to replace agri-food imports that have had a toll on the Caribbean community's economies by increasing the capacity for countries in the region to produce and export quality agricultural produce. Yay! Where is Donnell? Where? Oh, Javette, you pinged him. Awesome. Donald, good morning. Yes. So it seems as though they're either morning, sleep- morning, morning. It seems as though they're either listening to us or, you know, their telepathy is kicking in. But the first article this morning, FAO launches regional projects to boost food production in the Caribbean. So we have the um, ministers of agriculture from Dominica, Grenada, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines meeting to launch a cluster of regional products, project, projects Sorry, that are um, to aim. The aim is to boost local production and export of agricultural produce. How about that, Donald? How about that? Isn't that something you have been preaching? Yeah, it's long overdue. I mean, it's it's a welcome a welcome step. Um, there is no reason why in the Caribbean we can't produce more of what we use. Yes. Countries like Dominica that has small population but has big agriculture could export these things to the to the Barbados, the St. Kitts, the Antigas, and the different places where it, we don't have as much, as opposed to going to Miami to get the GMO stuff. You know, and that will create revenue for everybody. Exactly. Jobs in all the countries and stuff like that. I'm not sure why we didn't do something like that before. Wow. 
when I saw it this morning, I was elated. <laughs> Javette, thank you again for pinging Donald so he could hear it firsthand, <laughs> you know, because these are things we talk about in here. So something is listening. They, someone is listening. Um, what, what you always say, Javette, careful what you put out in the universe, because, yeah, yeah, what you put out is indeed powerful, right, Javette? The, the man is always listening. Amen, amen, amen. And we're grateful. You know, and my hope is that it will include other countries as well, because every Caribbean island um, has something to offer when you talk about agriculture, right? Inter-Caribbean trade and the export. We don't need to be bringing in as Donnell rightly put it, GMO foodstuff into our marketplaces. All right. Okay. So that's good news. So happy, so happy, so happy. Next up, a uh, woman appointed to the highest political offices in the Caribbean. At story courtesy of kman.loopnews.com, the Caribbean woman in leadership has acknowledged the historic appointment of Her Excellency Marcella LeBird as the first female Governor General of St. Kitts and Nevis, and Her Excellency Christine Kangaloo as the President-elect of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. Marcella LeBird was sworn in on January 31, 2023, and will serve as the fifth Governor General of St. Kitts and Nevis. Christine Kangaloo will be sworn in on March 21st, 2023, and will serve as the sixth president of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago and the second woman as head of state. These appointments are significant to the Caribbean region as it represents strides towards increased gender parity in political and civic life. It also exemplifies to all women and girls that their aspirations to serve as leaders of national offices can be realized regardless of their sociocultural backgrounds, such as race, ethnicity, and religion. The full and equal participation of women, women in all spheres is integral to the sustainability of the Caribbean. As such, continued efforts must be made to ensure that women are represented across all arms of government and within each Caribbean country. And I want to take it a step further, and I want to say this. You know, when you think about it, women lead households, whether there is a man in there or not. The house is ultimately placed on the shoulders of a woman to make many of the decisions. Men primarily are the breadwinners, but the women usually make the decisions as to how to make whatever it is that he brings in work. She knows how to make every, she knows how to turn a dollar into $10. I don't know how women do it. And when you talk about single women, there are so many single women who are killing it. So many single mothers who turn out great citizens. They raise their children to be productive, upstanding citizens, many of whom have gone on to make their mothers or grandmothers very proud. And then you have the fact also that we outnumber men. So why are we in the shadows? I agree. We need to step up and, you know, shine because we are more than capable. We run companies. We hold high positions. 
So yes, we can be leaders in every right. So congratulations again to Marcella, Her Excellency. Let me put some respect on it. Her Excellency, Marcella Laborde, first female Governor General of St. Kitts and Nevis, and Her Excellency, Christine Kangaloo, President-elect of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. Congratulations. Go Can ahead, Chevette. Yes, jump on in. So this may sound strange, uh -huh. but I've never actually researched the comparison between governor general to the United States. I don't really know what a governor general is. Okay. So Can someone tell me? We're going to go to, where are we going? You know where Google. we're Google. Okay, okay Governor I guess General. I could have done that myself. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're all going to look it up. So, Governor General, but I think, go ahead, Donald, go ahead. I think the Governor General is basically a representative of the Queen, right? Yes, yes. So, in places like the United States, I don't think that would be a relevant position. In a republic, I don't think it's relevant either. So, I'm not sure. All right. So, Wikipedia, Governor General, is the title of an office holder in the context of Governors General and former British colonies. Governor General, Governors General, that's the right way to put it, that Governor Generals, the plural is Governors General. So, yeah. I've never had to pluralize the word, so I'm learning this today. So the plural of governor general is governors general. All right. So in the context of governors general and former British colonies, governors general are appointed as viceroy to represent the monarch of a personal union in any sovereign state over which the monarch does not normally reign in person. Governors General have also previously been appointed in respect of major colonial states or other territories held by either a monarchy or a republic, such as Japan in Korea and France in Indochina. In modern usage, in the context of Governors General and former British colonies, the term Governor General originated in those British colonies that became self-governing within the British Empire. Before World War I, the title was used only in federated colonies, in which its constituents had had governors prior to federating, namely Canada, Australia, and the Union of South Africa. In these cases, the Crown's representative in the federated dominion was given the superior title of Governor-General. The first exception to this rule was New Zealand, New Zealand was granted dominion status in 1907, but it was not until June 28, 1917, that Arthur Fuljambe, second Earl of Liverpool, was appointed the first Governor-General of New Zealand. Since the 1950s, the Governor-General has been given to all representatives of the sovereign and independent Commonwealth realms. In these cases, the former office of colonial governor was altered, sometimes for the same incumbent to become governor general upon independence as the nature of the office became an entirely independent constitutional representative of the monarch rather than a symbol of previous colonial rule. In these countries, the governor general acts as the monarch's representative, performing the ceremonial 
and constitutional functions of a head of state. So they're kind of like the, well, not kind of, they are the queen's or king's representative. Um, yeah. So kind of like our Congress, I guess. I don't know how the American judicial system works. I'll be very honest. I don't know. Because mm. the queen is the head and the president is the head here, supposedly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then you have your congressional statesmen for either party. I don't know. I've just always tried to figure out what the correlation is. So then if, if they get rid of the monarchy, then that position is mute okay i'm thinking way above we can go ahead no, i'm sorry no no no, <laughs> no 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 javette let's think it out because you know i'm sure we're not the only ones who want to know and i'm sure other folks have had this very same question morning everyone good morning james yes yeah, so so the governor general is pretty much um the queen's uh, or the king um representative underground so like anything that the queen has to be involved in it goes from the the, the prime minister through the government like the governor the prime minister cannot make certain decision without the governor general and then the governor general um to the um the king so that's that's how it works so it's like the so basically a go-between huh? basically a go-between between the actual monarchy and the and country the that you're representing and the local government yeah so, okay. so like so like um like to do it um the the court the court that's um the highest court which is in in um england like the governor general um would, would be the person that you have to go to um with certain certain decisions to, go, to get to that court like you have to sign off certain documents that the prime minister cannot sign off sign off on hmm. Can we just do away with it, please? <laughs> because I don't know. Um, how can you? And this is why I say that independent. No, these Jamaica is not an independent country. We're not. So I don't know why we celebrate independence every year. Because if we're independent, why do we need a governor general to be a representative of the monarch? Why? We're not independent. So I, me personally, yes, we have Independence Day, but you're not going to catch me jumping up and down in celebration because we're not independent. Any country that is still connected to the monarchy is not independent because if we're independent, we don't need the governor general as a representative of the queen to swear in a prime minister. And this is not to negate the young woman who just got the position it just came up in my head that's no. all yeah i agree with you um javette right we're not doing that right we're not discrediting or discounting her or her position no but for me it just doesn't make no sense if we say we're independent when the u.s gained independence did they put in a they cut all ties is isn't that what it is you, you cut all ties quite frankly James, does Canada still have, does Canada have a governor general? Uh, yes, we do. Yeah. Because you're part of the monarchy, right? Yeah, yeah. And, the and I think people are pushing, people are pushing for, um, for them to get rid of that because it, Canada is a big enough country that they don't really need 
um, the Queen on, on your $5 bill and, and a Governor General. So a lot of people are pushing for that. But yeah, we still have one. I don't get it. But Canada is supposed to be an independent nation. That's where I'm lost. How can you cry and say that you're in you're an independent nation, but yet you still have to report to the monarchy, the king or the queen, whoever is there at, as head of state? That don't make no sense. Me no know. rising, everybody. Good morning, Alpha. Yeah, it doesn't. And I learned that from I was in the seventh grade social study class. And my teacher told me that. Jamaica has no independence because we're still underneath the, the, the thumbs of the British and we have a governor general so it makes no sense that we continue to have this big grand gala celebration and talk about independence when really and truly we're not and that are from 7th grade <laughs> and well fast forward much years later and still the same so yeah I always say there's no independence in Jamaica it's still have have to have a governor general and wasn't it just last year they was talking about getting rid of the governor general our yeah. people was pushing about uh, for getting rid of the governor general yeah yeah so there's no independence i'm just uh take some money and uh, you know do the local celebration thing and uh, but uh, i don't just the mindset of people yeah, man you see me them, them still kind of enslaved certain way you know, when it come to the mindset so for them things too you know what i mean but i never celebrated yet i, I never take up myself yet um, so we are gonna gang all of me, none of my family member them. So yeah, I would just know us at least make no sense. <laughs> Go ahead, James. Yeah, Go right yeah, ahead. I, Thank you, Afo. I'm I'm wondering if a lot of countries stay away from it because, from what I've seen, like America, is the only country that I know that gain independent without becoming a republic. Just United States of America, like they don't have republic on their name. So I wonder because like. All the other countries, um, like say Canada, like you'd have to change everything and call it um, the Republic of Canada, and not just Canada, or you know, you know, like all um, other countries that have the Republic beside it. So I'm not sure because I know that's the, the other step. Like you, you gain independence, and then if you want to get rid of the Governor General, like you'd have to come a Republic. So I don't know if that that is one of the reasons why other countries don't do it. But I find it interesting because America is not a republic and they they are independent, right? So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but didn't America gain their independence through war? Pretty much. That's how they separated themselves? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but Canada was a part of that war too. <laughs> so yeah. Canada helped the U.S. to get their, to sever ties with the monarchy. But well, yet Canada I, I, is still a part of the monarchy. Well, the thing I was wondering, I think <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to remember. I think Canada was on was on on, on the part of the Brits. I think so. Oh, they were the fighting 18, with the Brits. Oh, Brits. Okay. The eighteen twelve. Yeah, I think so. I think Canada was was th that same war when they burned down the White House or something like that. I so you guys know. lost basically. Huh? That's why you you guys lost. So basically, that's why you're still with the Brits. I, I don't it know. I know. So we can do more research into that, right? Yeah, I know they burn. I know they burn down the White House and do a bunch of stuff, but I don't know. <laughs> what would after that? You know what? Your theory sounds about right, Javet. Go ahead, Miss Phyllis. But, but uh, James, hold on sorry. one second, Donald. Miss Phyllis had opened her mic. Go ahead, Miss Phyllis. Oh, I just want 
say good morning, good morning. And also, I read that um, the current prime minister is, has a big initiative in becoming and um, having Jamaica become a republic. He's been um, talking with um, Barbados, and he's been um, he did um, several um, press conference around the issue. So. That's one of his agendas. Yes. Thank you so much, Miss Phyllis. Thank you. Go ahead, Donald. Sorry about that. As I was saying, James, America doesn't have the name republic in it, but America is actually a definition of a republic. So whether or not it's included in the name, when you look at America, it is a republic, essentially. Also, um, on the earlier points of independence, not just the fact that we still have these countries are still affiliated with the Queen. Remember, the, the final court of appeal in most of these countries is still a Privy Council. So there is no real, even judicial independence. We have to take that into consideration also. All right. So I found this video on YouTube. Let's see what it says. Governor General explained CBC Kids News. <laughs> Canada is a constitutional monarchy. That means the king or queen of the UK is also the king or queen of Canada. Because kings and queens do not live here, the governor general is their representative in Canada. We've had a governor general since Canada became a country in 1867. Not sure what it was before, but yeah. Uh, what does a governor general do? Here are some examples. They are the Commander-in-Chief of Canada's military. They oversee important ceremonies and hand out prestigious awards. They sign bills into law. They are also expected to step in to protect Canada's system of government if politicians cannot work together. Some people feel this role is very important. Others would cut ties to the monarchy entirely. And there you have it. That's it in a nutshell. Thank you, CBC Kids. That really explains it. Yeah, that is it. That is it. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. All right. So, um, while often categorized as a democracy, and this is to back up what Donald just said, while often characterized as a democracy, the United States is more accurately defined as a constitutional federal republic. So, what does this mean? Constitutional refers to the fact that Government in the United States is based on a constitution, which is the supreme law of the United States. All right, so that's it. Civics class, folks. We just wrapped up Civics 101. <laughs> yeah, we can go use that one time for the interview. <laughs> if them ask that. Yeah, if them ask that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so in our next story, we head on up to the British Virgin Islands. BVI police detain a woman for money laundering. The Royal Virgin Islands police arrested a woman in connection with ongoing human trafficking investigations 
on the territory. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. RVIPF said the woman was arrested on suspicion of money laundering during the execution of a search warrant. The female was subsequently released pending further investigations, RVIPF said, while noting that it cannot make further comments on this matter. Members of the public are urged to assist the police with their investigation into human trafficking on the BVI. Wow. So here we go. Another woman at the forefront of money laundering, but this time not only money laundering, but human trafficking. What's up, ladies? What's going on? Why are we doing this? No woman, in my opinion, should be involved in any way, shape or form with human trafficking. Because so, um, sorry. Knowing especially that most of the people that are trafficked are women and children. Go right ahead, Apple. It's all about money. It's all about greed. You know what I mean? That, that's all it is. Um, uh, what? Last, was it last year? Last, yeah, last year, I think, or year before that. Uh, one, them catch a lady here in the US, either try to kidnap, kidnap one little girl. You know what I mean? Uh, for go sell her. You get me? I say, and yeah, no, she get a beating still. You know, in the restroom, she get a beating from the, 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 the child, mother, and, uh, and thing, and police call and all them something there. So, them, them always, uh, uh, some of them always go for use like women, you know what I mean, when they come on to, to kidnap some of them kids and them something there too, you get me? I say, so, not just man alone. So, uh, uh, demons put on both sides, you get me? I say, and it's all about greed, money. You know, yeah. some of them are even traffickers themselves who been trafficked and then just use them. Maybe probably some of them tell them say, hey, if you do this, you get you get the freedom. Or some of them just become a part of the system where they just use them for just get other vulnerable um, kids. You know what I mean? With yeah. a, 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 a boy or a little girl. So uh, demons from both sides and it's all about money. It's all about greed, and that's all it is. All right. Thank you, Apple. Thank you. Such a shame. And I understand the point you made, Afa, which is so true. Many times people fall into these traps because of their experience. And unfortunately for them, they see no way out. Right. And yes, a lot of many of them fall victims of the phrase, if you do this, you can buy your freedom. And so they end up resorting to it. Um, instead of trying to find an escape route for them, it's a way to stay alive. I, I get it. I get it. But wow, it, it's rough. It is rough. In our next story, we head on over to Guyana. Guyana president urges the defense force to be prepared to defend the country. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. President Irfan Ali on Wednesday said that Guyana must never be found wanting as it relates to the security of the state urging the Guyana Defense Force, GDF, to always be ready to respond to security challenges. In a statement, he said, Guyana must never be found wanting when it comes to addressing security threats, whether emanating from within or outside our borders. I refer not only to what is termed the hardcore threats and challenges, but all threats and challenges. He told the conference that Guyana must take stock of security threats in other countries and prepare itself. Noting that as an oil producing country, the Caribbean community CARICOM country, 
could attract some of those threats. President Ali said in addition to security challenges, the GDF also has a responsibility to rise to the challenge and deliberate on how it will address issues such as food and energy crisis, not only in Guyana, but in the region, so that it will also be in a state of readiness to respond. Here we go again, Donald. Another one jumping on board. Guyana is seeing the call. Uh, see the call. Yeah. So here we go. Here we go. Um, and, you know, I'm glad he mentioned this call to action because um, oil. Oil is such a necessary um, resource. And you don't want externals coming in and wanting to fight you to take away what rightfully belongs to your country. All right, so. Yeah, Guyana is going to be the place to watch, like, for the next decade or so. Because I was watching something on them the other day, and they're projected to be the next Dubai. If all things go well with, 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 the, with oil prices and, um, you know, lack of corruption, if... if well, according to what they're saying, the only two things can stop them is local government corruption and um, if oil prices um, tumble. But if not, if those two things don't happen, like in the next um, 20 years or so, they are going to be the next Dubai in terms of development because um, the oil that they, they recently fo um, found, like right, they found some oil right at the border of um, with Venezuela that they were... Look like they were going to fight for, <laughs> and I think the American government stepped into, and they are saying that if all if the government treat everything well and no corruption, and they struck a deal, I think it's with Exxon, a 50-50 deal with um with Exxon to extract the oil, and development have already started like massive development, like um my sister just came back from there, and she's saying that the feeling just the feeling. In Guyana is like is like crazy like people are just excited so you know it's gonna be interesting to watch and to see what happened um, with, with their development or if corruption is going to seep in and, and, and um, kind of derail them from from what could possibly be like you know like the most developed you know Caribbean or South American um, country okay all right, birth me one. Go ahead, go right ahead, go ahead. Yes, um, James, going by the recent, um, I think, presidential election and some of the issues that was happening with the intervention of the U.S. and stuff like that, I think it will be very difficult for Guyana, even based on their demographics and their voting history and stuff, I think it will be very difficult for them to create a very strong government. I'm hoping they can. But I think that is where everything lies. The reserve is unquestionable right now with all the oil they have recently found and stuff like that. But um, I don't know if they would have what it takes to create a very strong government to protect these resources and protect the government people. And anywhere the U.S. is so involved, trust me, they don't do anything for free. So just to keep an eye on it. Especially they involved in the fight against Venezuela and all the arbitrations and so on. 
rest assured, most of this oil coming back here, man. Hi, good afternoon. I mean, good yeah. quick, quick question. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, quick question. All right. Um, probably it might not happen right away, but aren't they trying to move from this whole oil and fossil fuel thing? I mean, them tell Africa said them couldn't do all of that, you know what I mean? And, you know, as they can say, we do all take place with this whole carbon footprinting and, you know, social credit and all them other stuff there with the WEF and all these other countries are talking about New Zealand, Australia, the UK, and even over here. So, aren't they trying, they, they said they want to try to move from this whole fossil fuel and have cleaner energy. So, they want to try, even some of the homes I'm right now over here in the US, your traditional, AC and um, HVAC service, all of that are changed right now. They won't go as far as have um, uh, what, electric electric heating pump or something like so. And you have different companies where go as far as um, like drill the hole because them say under the ground is of a certain temperature, warm temperature all year round. So they have, they might try to drill underground and set up some kind of HVAC service like where it take the warm air from the ground to, you know, keep the place cool and warm. Let me have explain, because I was some stuff on it yesterday. So if they want to try to move from all of them somewhere, I mean, this whole idle thing, idle thing, is it just a, a, a last type of way for like, yo, we all can get uh, even richer than before, <laughs> and then, you know, get as much resources as we can get from some of them country, and then we'll just shut it off on everybody else. It, 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 we don't, we don't know. It's it kind of weird what I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? It, it kind of sounds crazy still. But somebody understands what I'm trying to say. But you yeah. know, I, I, that's how I take place. And that's how I hear them say. So I don't know. All right. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, James, and then Donald. Yeah, Afo, I, I think going forward, like the oil, like it's not going to be the same. And I think if you, if you look at Dubai, perfect example, they're trying to use what they have no one to kind of change their their dependency on, on oil they're trying to you know become like tourism become like other you know turn their economy into more than just oil and one of the conversation with with the guy and i think too is that you like the, there's massive development going on there like everywhere you look is like cranes high rise building going up and i think it's it's like a it's like a almost like a chase, like a, a race to, to the finish line, because everybody knows that the next 20 to 30 years, um, the dependent on oil, because you see Tesla, even not like Tesla in trouble now, because everybody have a, a electric vehicle now that's, that's sexier, that's better looking than, than Tesla now, and they're losing their market share. So Honda, BMW just released one, like Benz, so going forward, like, yeah, we're still going to use, we, we're still going to use um, oil and natural gas and stuff like that. But it's, it's just like how we talk about the thing with milk the other day, like cow's milk is, is not relevant as it used to be like 20 years ago. I think that's the same thing that's going to happen to oil. They're going to have to share their, their, their space, their market space with like wind energy, clean energy, all these technology that they're putting in bad, bad batteries now, like. 20 years from now, you just buy a battery and connect it to your house, and that's it. And I think that's where we're going now. So a lot of these countries, they are trying to get the most out of it now because it's going to dry up soon. Yeah.
All right, Donald, go ahead. James, and, yeah, go right ahead. Although I agree with some of what you say, I, I kind of differ. And therefore, um, we are not moving away from fossil fuel anytime soon. Because if you really dig deep and look into some of the same clean energy we're going to, the electric cars, where are we charging them? How are we generating the power, the electricity to charge those so-called electric cars? It still comes from the power plant that use fossil fuel. The geothermal energy you talk about, yes, these are things we could look at, and the solar and stuff, but most a lot of the, the, the important ingredients you use in green energy comes from the fossil fuel market, basically. So I'm not sure that we're going anywhere soon. Plus, just the shift of power from the people that is really running the world now when it comes to oil, they wouldn't allow it to go away so easy. So I think we still has at least a 60 years, you know, where oil would be king for, and I, pro I project even further than that. Because the steps that are made in green energy are very small when you really look into the meat of it. All right. Thank you all so much. Go, uh, go ahead, Javette. Go right ahead. And I have to agree with Donald. One reason why is because what has been happening with the weather and we see how Texas shut down when we had ice. Mm -hmm. There was no electricity. With no electricity, we could not do anything. So we're going to always need, I believe, gas and oil because it's a natural resource. Yeah. Especially if the weather patterns continue to change the way they have. So I yield. All right. Thank you, everyone, for the hearty conversation around that natural resource. Okay. For our next story, we're still in Guyana. Guyana to to constructs rather resort style, luxurious wooden homes. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. More announcements have been made in Guyana about its continued drive to provide housing. It is reported that exclusive access to eco-friendly luxurious living is now just months away from becoming a reality for young professionals in Guyana. According to the Department of Public Information, the new lifestyle, which will see an exotic blend of natural landscaping and modern architecture, is being facilitated by the government of Guyana. President Dr. Mohamed Irfan Ali made the announcement on Wednesday afternoon. He said in order to celebrate the luxury of wood, we will be embarking on our first luxurious wooden homes settlement in Guyana, where only those who want luxury will reside, focusing on young professionals. Uh, I have mixed feelings about this, uh, and the reason I'm having mixed feelings, I have no issue with wanting to provide an environment that feels luxurious but i can't help but worry about deforestation and its lingering effects long-lasting effects we are already struggling with the climate we know the importance that forestry holds especially when it comes to our oxygen when we cut down these trees to make these homes aren't we taking away from, from the precious resource that we need. So, <laughs> hold on, Afo. Yeah. yeah, hold on. Go ahead, Donald, and then Afo. 
I don't think so because even if you look, even if you're not using it to do something like that, there are still a lot of illegal poaching and stuff. On the other hand, if the government is managing it as a resource and it is done properly, I think you can have a net benefit because Guyana has a large reserve of forestry. And if you're using it locally especially, and you're, it means you could cut your import bills in certain areas and stuff like that. And a, a wooden home could last a lot, a lot of years. So I think it's an innovative um, way. I think it's a solution. But I think it has to be managed. It can't just be done willy-nilly. Okay. You have to look at your reserves. And you could manage your reserve of forestry, especially if it's just for local consumption. It can be done in a responsible way, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Fair argument. All right. Okay. I guess I'm thinking <laughs> too much, I, I probably. But let us hope that for every tree that is cut down, one is replanted. That I hope. But Guyana has been in the news uh, a lot as it relates to co home construction. I remember back in, well, earlier, if it was it this week or last week, roughly 1,200 new homes to be constructed in Guyana for low income. There was, um, back in December, we spoke about roughly 1,500 homes to be constructed in a new housing development. So they're, they're doing their thing. Um, they're, and I know we also spoke about um, St. Vincent's Prime Minister, Dr. Gonsalves, uh, speaking with the Prime Minister of Guyana you know, getting information as much as possible as it relates to building low-income homes in Guyana and wanting to do the same thing in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So Ghana seems to definitely be on the rise, you know. Folks, um, if I'm not mistaken, someone remind me, I think a couple months ago when we started talking about the oil and um, the burgeoning um, burgeoning success that's there waiting to, you know, blast off, so to speak, that they are inviting people within the Caribbean to come on board, be a part of Guyana and the new Guyana. So um, if anybody wants to invest, here's another investment opportunity, I would say. Check it out if it's worth it. it Airbnbs are the new thing. Um, and real estate ain't going nowhere, folks. Don't goes fool you. Real estate is going absolutely nowhere. All right. In our next story, export the runway. Business Expo to showcase local products and services. Story courtesy of stlucia.loopnews.com. St. Lucian businesses and manufacturers will play a significant part in the island's independence celebrations as Export St. Lucia, the Minister of Commerce and Events Company of St. Lucia, gets set to host two major events. The Business Expo is slated for February 16 and 17 and will see approximately 70 businesses from the farming and agro-processing, manufacturing, health and wellness, fashion and design sectors, exhibiting their products and services to members of the public. Chief Executive Officer of Export St. Lucia, Ms. Sunita Daniel, says the organization will partner with the parent agency, the Ministry of Commerce, to put on the event. And this story wraps up the first half of our stories out of the Caribbean corner. When we return from this music break, we're going to have stories out of jamaica so stay tuned but here is the group the deal two occasions
something I wanted to. It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday here in Coffee and Toe. We're taking you down Lover's Lane. Thank you to everyone listening online on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. Keep it locked. Gotta say a big thank you to everyone listening on QMZRadio.com for quality music while you work or play. Remember to keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Here is Faith Evans singing again.
Thank you to everyone listening on JohnnoRadio.com. Download that Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. Hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday here in Coffee and Toe. We're taking you back to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. But we're doing it in Lover's Lane style today. Getting you ready for Valentine's Day. If I touch your body tonight, will you touch mine? Will you touch me baby? right here? Kiss both your lips. Rubber nose thighs, taste your wine. Let me taste you. Ah. I can do it softer, I can do it hard. I can make you scream if you let down your God, my baby. It's not too far. Gotta give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. After all, this is where the conversation happens. Stay tuned, everyone. We have stories out of Jamaica coming right up.
25 after the top of the hour. If you have somewhere to be at the bottom, you got five minutes to get there. Please be safe. Gonna squeeze in one more and then we get back to business. You are my lady, yeah. You're everything I need and more. You are my lady. You're all I'm living for. James, please to go and cook the people them food. You will not hold me responsible for you impregnating anyone, okay? Thank you. Here's LaVert, Casanova.
well, let me go ahead and get back to business. It is half past the top of the hour. And here are the rest of the stories outside, well, inside the Caribbean corner. Here we go. And it's over to Jamaica. First up, Privy Council upholds Jamaica's anti-money laundering reporting regime. The Judicial Committee of the Privy Council has overruled the Court of Appeal and upheld Jamaica's anti-money laundering reporting regime as it relates to attorneys. The ruling means attorneys must now report must now report if they believe illicit funds form part of transactions with their clients. <laughs> Sorry. You really expect them to forget their money. You really think I'm going to turn over anybody? The court has upheld the requirement for lawyers to be part of the regulated reporting sector, similar to the financial sector. The Privy Council has ruled that such a requirement, while infringing on the right to privacy, is demonstrably justified under the Constitution. The court has reinstated the ruling of the Constitutional Court. <laughs> um, really? You really think an attorney is going to say, hey, uh, my client, I believe he got his money from illicit means. Okay, how do you know that? What are you going to say, attorneys? What do you say? That's a tricky situation. <laughs> but remember what we were talking about the previous, I said, mentioned earlier about the Privy Council being the final court of appeal. Yes. Now, they had to take that case to the Privy Council. And the Privy Council is not cheap. <laughs> it literally cost the country a lot of money as a final court of appeal. Those cases are not cheap. So maybe that's one way we could probably get rid of some money going out of the country. But we have to make the CCJ you know, a robust institution that can render impartial verdicts. Let <laughs> <laughs> me just put it out there. If I were an attorney and my client is a drug dealer, and my, me know my money, sure, for, care, for defend him. And I know that he moves with other drug dealers. And the likelihood of them at some point needing an attorney. Or them can go and put me upon, what's the term? Um, when you have your attorney on, oh my gosh, blank, blank, blank. You know what I'm talking about. Retainer. Retainer, thank you. I know that I can make sure i'm on retainer for say his 12 friends you think me really like a turn them over and say um they're not not kill me i kill my pocket me and my family for look after too so while you're sitting up there and casting judgment because you two are getting some of your money the wrong way you know you may want to step back and think twice you know you have the capability to line your pockets let me line mine too left me and my client them alone I, I think that law is ridiculous because most people in that business, I'm not talking about the lawyers, I'm talking about the other business. The other business. Their money is exchanged through legitimate business. Exactly. So when does the money become illegitimate? And we're <laughs> illegitimate. Exactly. Okay. I yield. 
<laughs> I think it's a case where the government could just say, okay, they have a win because they put it into legislation, but um, how you implement it will be, I mean, because how do a lawyer know for sure his client money has been illicit? You know, it, it's, it's difficult. It's a really difficult case to bring in any case. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Anyway, somebody has to um, account for why they're getting a paycheck, right? And here, <laughs> they have to justify their income. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, in our next story out of Jamaica, mutual assistance treaty hampering probe into Ian Fleming cocaine bust, Bailey. I don't know why they put the heading as such, but anyway, Deputy Commissioner of Police in Charge of Crime, Fitz Bailey, says issues related to the Mutual Legal Assistance Treaty, MLAT, are hampering the probe into a major drug bust at the Ian Fleming International Airport in St. Mary last September. That's what they should have said. When them say Ian um, Fleming, you're making it look as though this person specifically. But anyway, let me play this sound. It's back. been four months since the Narcotics Police, in partnership with U.S. law enforcement agents, seized more than 1,000 pounds of cocaine valued at more than three billion jamaican dollars in an operation at the ian fleming international airport dcp says while the police are working hard to crack the case they are being stalled by issues related to mlat we have been working with our international partners there are some legal issues that are being addressed between the offices of the dpp we have also made some application and i will say this that people will be arrested and charged in respect of that matter i will just leave it at legal matters i'm not going to get into any specifics at the appropriate time those announcements if necessary will be made speaking today on nationwide this morning DCP Bailey would not be drawn on the specifics of the problems with MLAT. What I, what I, I will not say much on that. All I will say is that there are some issues regarding mutual legal assistance treaty that we are treating with. And um, that, that's as far as I will say in relation to that. that it's, 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 it's a process, really. And DCP Bailey has hit back at critics who say not enough is being done to arrest persons in connection with massive drug and firearm seizures at the nation's ports. Any law enforcement across the globe will tell you that one of the most difficult type of control delivery is firearm. If we engage in that type of activity and we lose the firearm, we have to consider the risk that is involved. Do we take the risk of allowing those firearms to escape our grasp and then become a threat to the nation? Most organized nations will tell you that the only way that can be done is if we are involved from the get-go. Now, what I will say further is that most of those recoveries were based on intelligence, sometimes local, some of them were from our international partners. And we have an excellent relationship with our partners in terms of sharing information. 59 handguns and 5 rifles were intercepted at the Port Handlers Warehouse in St. James on February 3. On January 27, another shipment of 22 guns were seized at the Seaboard Warehouse also in St. James. DCP Bailey says the police have reason to believe that both shipments are linked. Shaloy Smichael for Nationwide News. Thank you, Shaloy. Interesting. Okay, so let me ask a question now. They said arrests are going to be made, right? And I'm just trying to connect it to the previous 
story where the Privy Council upholds um, <laughs> Jamaica's anti-money laundering um, reporting regime. I am an attorney. They're going to need me as an attorney. So what happens in that case? Don't I have to get paid? And it's quite obvious that this money is coming from illicit means because I saw on a bus the drugs, three, $3 billion Jamaican worth, and I might as well convert it and give to you saying. Um, yeah, so what do I do as an attorney in that case? Do I not take the case? Do we leave them to um, government, uh, um, what do you call them? DAs, I saw them name, I can't think you know. Do I leave it to them to handle those? Or private attorneys, um, yeah, may want to step away? I don't know. So I'm just saying. But anyway. Um, good job intercepting the handguns and rifles at the um port handlers warehouse and seaboard warehouse in James. There is an inside connection clearly on that. There is no, it has to be because somebody in the Hafigo released them to somebody else, but they got intercepted. Um, thankfully, we don't need those weapons and ammunition on the streets. We have enough to deal with. In our next story, man charged in hit and run um, on the British National suspected in four more murders and that's according to the police his name is javon brown oc jaja he's 23 years old he was arrested and charged he was picked up let me say this in relation to this matter but there were additional matters that he was involved with for example he was involved with a double murder in kingston central he was arrested and charged for the murder of two persons in kingston central and then there's also another murder that took place in kingston central that he was wanted for he will be charged with that one and he was charged in relation to the death of the british um, that is patterson just over the weekend hold on a second 23 years old did y'all catch the age and the, the um incident at the guest house in vogue hill happened the morning after the concert uh with bujo and um barris hammond <sighs> 23 years old he's a hitman clearly hired so is he going to rat out the people that hire him because i remember the story when it came out um and the link was made to the uk it is believed that he was ordered to do the murder in jamaica 23 years old that's i'm looking at my son number two 23 years old can you imagine there in my eyes you're still you're still young you still need guidance i don't know what that's the life you chose my friend police no this one is a <laughs> men i don't know how them do it about work who said the jamaican police not working on a try have several seats because the people them down there is working and them is working very hard because since the start of february and we are only on day nine and this is as of day eight the police have so far issued 35 million dollars in e-tickets how much are these tickets costing? 
Let, let me just go ahead to the soundbite because... We recently received an additional 750 e-ticketing devices, bringing our number to 820, which are being rolled out across the country. We expect that by the end of the year, we'll no longer use the paper tickets. It's noteworthy that the JCF increased the number of tickets issued last year from just over 451,000 tickets in 2021 to over 720,000 in 2022, an increase of 60%. Consideration, source of nuisance to a number of persons, whether from motor vehicles, motorcycles, or entertainment. There are people who operate without due consideration for the wider public. The decibel meter will be used by our public order and traffic teams to better regulate noise levels. We recently received 40 of these meters and will gradually increase the number over time in an effort to increase our capacity to address this issue. The tint meters will be used in the enforcement of the relevant provisions of the new Road Traffic Act with respect to tint levels. Yep, the police have issued e-tickets amounting to nearly $35 million since the new Road Traffic Act took effect on February 1. The constabulary has revealed that for the first six days of February, the police issued 5,533 such tickets. Of that amount, 401 have already been paid. So much ticket. In six days, the first six days. But the value is what, um, hold on a second. Where's my calculator? Because this sounds a little, them said $35 million, right? Divide that by 5,533. That's an average. Each ticket is an average of $6,325. That's right, though. Hmm. Hold on a second. Thirty-five million <laughs> divided by five thousand five hundred and thirty-three. Yes, yeah, six thousand three hundred and twenty-five. This sound like them setups on the highways, and every car will pass and stop. Or <laughs> go you, ahead. You need, you need to give them a round of applause, woman. <laughs> Use your applause button. Like, <laughs> no. <'cause... laughs> No, because if, if people can't if people can't hear them, they, you know, might as well they pay. Because trust me, like no well thinking Jamaican can honestly say like this don't need to happen. Like uh -huh. the 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 last time I went to Jamaica, I didn't even drive because I was too afraid to drive. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Cause when when I before that time I went to Jamaica, I rent a car and I came out at the airport. And normally Taxi drivers are the one that you worry about. But like I see women driving incoming traffic, like in my way, and pushing out them head through the window and, and clap me to BC and say, come out of the way. <laughs> women like going to like look like they might work at bank or in you know, some office and stuff like that. So yeah, hold them up, yeah, hold them up, James. But don't time to tourist <laughs> We have places to go, things to do. <laughs> yes, so no man, they, they, they can't hear them to feel. So I think I think the culture still, we need to get away from the from like hating the police type of culture. Like, so when police do bad stuff, we must cuss them out. But on the other hand, when they're doing anything good, we need to credit them too, because the reality is that no 
nation on the face of this earth cannot um, really have a law-abiding um, country without good policing. So, you know, the ones that are doing good, uh -huh. it's good because if, if, you, if you work in a system where I just peer negative, 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 you hear, uh -huh. and when you do something good, you don't hear it, like that... That's going to be demoralizing. No matter how much money the police they make. True. If you come home every day and, and all year year a bad, 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 and you know, say, you were involved in a big um, cocaine um, bust or, you know, an arms um, thing where, you know, say, like, you, you prevent a hundred guns from going on the street and you go home and you, you, you take off your police uniform and you watch the TV and now hear the average Jamaican people and say, yo, the police, I do, do them work. Uh -huh. that, that is demoralizing. So, because the police them. When them uh, do good, them do good. I have to agree with you, James. You must give a rec um, commendation when it is due. Here's what I'm going to say, though. When this $35 million is recouped, when everybody paid them tickets, so far, 401 have already paid their tickets, which means we have an outstanding 5,132 tickets that need to be paid as at the 6th of February. So, can they take this money and quickly transfer it to the Chinese um, authorities so that we can hurry up and pay off the debt for the, t the highways that they're building for us? Can we, is, that a, is that a good suggestion? Or how else should, you, should they use this $35 million? And I'm sure it's going to be probably $35 million every month they're going to collect. How do you recommend they use this money? Yeah, I think, I think to be fair, the highway is not our biggest problem right now because, to be honest, like when I'm driving to New York and I go on that highway, like I, I pay like $50 and it saved me time. I'm not really complaining about it. It, it seemed like high, but you're saving on gas and stuff like that. So I think in terms of that, because the Jamaica, any Jamaican will agree that our infrastructure is the only thing major thing that has grown in the past 30 years. Mm -hmm. But our human, in terms of our human resources, our human, um, there's a brain drain. And, and nothing is wrong with that because most Jamaicans who leave, they're putting back money in the country. So th that money needs to be invested in education. You know, the same way like how um, the whole idea of defunding police in North America is taking billions or millions of dollars that were going to the police force and mm -hmm. put it into education. So I think that's what they're supposed to do. But education. James, let me ask you a question. What if the funds cannot be moved from the Ministry of Justice to the Ministry of Education? How would you recommend they use it um, within the said ministry? No, they can't they can find ways because like... I'm okay, saying for, for what example, if, listen James, I'm saying what if it cannot be moved to... The Ministry of Education, it has to yeah. be used within the Ministry of Justice. Yeah, but, but I'm going to explain to you how that okay. works. Like, like, for example, in, in Toronto, like they're in, in certain other um, bad areas, um, they use money from the police funding that comes through the justice, and they open like um, community centers that are run by police. So, okay. for example, there's an area in Toronto where the police, the police um, unit or the police um, division Mm -hmm. set up a set up a recording studio so a lot of young men come there and they record like hip-hop and, and r&b and stuff like that okay. and they get music lessons from the police so they, they can find ways to do it so in other words then you're saying they have used it as a community outreach method 
to try yes. and steer people in the opposite direction. Okay, so yes. in the chat, Kalisha says to fix the roads and modernize the police system. All right, go ahead. Someone else open their mic. Please go right ahead for me. Donald, go ahead. Yeah, I think they, they ought to use it in the same department, um, as Kalisha say. Fix the road, develop the infrastructure, and there's a lot you can do in that area to make the country more efficient and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And also, if we have outstanding loans that was taken to do roads, how are we servicing these this loans? It means we are servicing the loans from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So if you find a way to monetize the same roads that you took the loans to service, it should be the responsibility of that funds to get rid of the loan. Right. You understand? And once you get rid of the loan, then maybe you could take loans to do other stuff. But um, t diverting that money elsewhere, I think it gets kind of muddy. So focus in the same area, develop the network, uh, better roads, better everything like that, service the loans that is directly affiliated to these things. Mm -hmm. And I think... It, you move to another department, clean it up and stuff like that. But I don't think we should move it around like that. So right. So you're right agreeing with me then, Donald, that we yes, should yes. seek to pay off this debt that we are riddled with courtesy of China um, doing the infrastructural work as it relates to Yeah, because to the okay. longer the debt stay, all the interest and all the stuff like that, you know? That's yeah. what I was thinking. All right. So you and I are on the same page. Somebody else wanted to go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you on um, Donna as well. Um, go take the money from that department and put it on a different department. Alpha, Alpha, we're not hearing you. We're hearing the truck. We're not hearing you. you know, if you want to try again, try again because the, the truck, the um noise from the truck was really uh, loud. Yeah, you Yes, much better. Go ahead. Oh, so may I say, um, I agree with you on Daniel. Um, go take the money and put it on a different department. Uh, when I have nothing to do with that department, uh, use it in the same department. So, like when I say, um, better roads. You get what I mean? I say, uh, more roads. I've been for the notice even over years, every time I drive on the road, yeah, uh, I'm always at the road work. Whether I fix up the road better or I build new roads so that you reduce traffic and, and stuff like that. Even with Portmore, like Portmore, I just the one bridge for come over. Hold on, let me go in the bar real quick. Okay. Yeah, even with Portmore, um, just the one bridge from Portmore to to over to Kingston side. So if them can build some um a uh, next road or a next bridge, you know what I mean, for kind of cut the cut down the traffic and stuff like that, and just keep it in that department. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think that would be uh, um a bit better as well as find a way how them can pay off that road loan or construction loan what they have right now with china and stuff like that so yeah margaret you and daniel as well okay all right thank you thank you Apple. so go ahead donald go right ahead it also takes us back to a point that javid made earlier when we was talking about developing these um random communities in the ghetto and stuff where you don't even have proper infrastructure yes so maybe even excess in that department could use to put better infrastructural road in some of the same ghetto areas and stuff like that and that would help improve you understand the 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 atmosphere better roads schools electricity and stuff would come but mm -hmm. if we could extend the road at least so that people have better road network in those areas that's another area they could look at yes all right so we have some great suggestions if anyone listening please take them and carry them over um so i would say 
well, me in closing, my priority would be um, debt servicing. Let us hurry up and reduce the debt because as we know interest is a killer. All right. So that's number one. Uh, or you can say, you know something, we're going to stare so, uh, so much of it towards debt servicing. And then we are also going to look at how we can continue to modernize the police force and the systems that are used by the police force so they can be more efficient. They're going to have to pair that with the tax office because, you know, that's where a lot of people are going to pay their taxes and get their license and so on and so forth. So there is going to have to be a joint effort there. And then we can we also have to look at road maintenance. That is also important. Maintaining the roads. It is one thing to build. It's kind of like a house. If you don't maintain your house, what's going to happen? It's going to run down. So we have to do road maintenance. That's on the list. Also on the list is building new roads where needed. All right. So those are, those are some things that they can channel. All right. So thank you all for that, for your suggestions. Next up, customs and tax agency employees awaiting latest compensation offer. Workers at the Jamaica Customs Agency, JCA, and Tax Administration Jamaica, TAJ, are now awaiting the latest proposal from the Finance Ministry under the compensation review exercise. Scores of workers from both entities who are represented by the Jamaica Civil Service Association excuse me, met with the finance minister on Tuesday. Here is the president of the JCSA, O'Neill Grant. The minister met with the staff to share their concerns and expectations. The minister took note of them, gave them explanations as he thought it, and gave them generally response that he's prepared to go and look at their concerns and to ensure that they are taken on board going forward. One could get the sense that the staff concerns will be taken seriously and would be looked at in the context of the compensation restructuring, what the government can and cannot afford. So we expect that any day now we should hear back from the ministry in terms of what it is proposing as a way forward. What they are concerned about is that their alignment on the 16-band structure would not be high enough to take into consideration the nuances that are pertinent to the two agencies that are the revenue collectors of the state. What they have indicated is that their compensation was created in a particular context and that they don't want that context to be lost in the compensation restructuring. And I've asked the Minister of Finance and the TIU to look back at where it was proposing to align them and hopefully that review of that proposal will to, as the members are asking, the preservation of the spirit of the, of the creation of the levels of compensation that they were receiving before. Workers at TAJ and the JCA has planned to workers at TAJ and JCA have planned to take industrial action last Thursday to press home claims for a better deal from the government. Mr. Grant says the primary concern of the workers is to avoid a situation where their salaries are depressed. And in our next story out of Jamaica, government to introduce restorative justice in 500 schools this year. This story courtesy of the Jamaica Observer. A total of 500 schools are being targeted for restorative justice, RJ, practices this year. As the Ministry of Justice and the Ministry of Education continue to promote alternative dispute resolution measures among the nation's youth. 
speaking at a restorative justice session with Kingston Technical High School at Hope Gardens on Tuesday. Justice Minister Delroy Chuck said his ministry believes that restorative justice can play an important part in the lives of children in the schools. Last year, we did 232 schools, uh, introducing them to restorative justice practices. This calendar year, we want to do 500. And then the next one, we do the remaining schools and then we start repeating. The move coincides with a partnership between the Justice Ministry and the churches in which 3,000 congregations are to be sensitized on restorative justice. Defined as a process whereby all the parties with a stake in a particular offense come together to resolve collectively how to deal with the aftermath of the offense. RJ uses forgiveness in restoring peace and de-escalating conflicts. We have a good product, so we're taking it to the schools, to the churches, and to the communities. Restorative justice is God-sent. It is about accepting responsibility and about forgiveness, which is exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ preached, Chuck added. He told the students that in their disagreements, they must still learn to tolerate each other and respect each other's differences, while noting that resolving conflicts peacefully leads to restoring relationships. Them I listen to it, right? <laughs> we, we did not come up with a said means or measure, but we did talk about the need for emotional intelligence and conflict resolution. Have we not? We spoke about it several times, especially um, after the incident where the two female students got into that altercation, which resulted in one dying and the other ending up in jail. We talk about it so frequently when we hear about the murders, people killing each other over arguments. And what are those arguments about? Many times, simple issues. But because we lack the ability to exercise emotional intelligence, because we have not been trained on conflict resolution, these things happen. So I am grateful to hear that they are targeting the schools. Yes, the schools need to be targeted. That's where the youth are. And many times we can reach them there versus trying to get into their homes or calling for um, community meetings. Because, you know, people go and tell them, why them have to work? Them can't have time for that. Them have to put food on the table. Them have to make sure them have money for pay them light bill and so on and so forth. So I do applaud the efforts. Thank you, Minister Delroy Chuck. Much appreciated. Going to take another quick break. When we return, we have stories out of Latin America and the international scene. Here, here's some more um, from our TBT playlist. Hashtag TBT throwback Thursday. This one is Brandy's sitting up in my room. I cannot sing it. It's okay. There is no one else 
Thank you to everyone listening online on QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday, taking you back to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. But we're taking you down Lovett's Lane. Here is Gregory Abbott with Shake You Down. From so far across the floor now, baby That's nothing new I've watched you so many times before now, baby I see that look in your eyes And what it's telling me And you Yeah, he went. Oh, huh, not sure what happened. Internet is still good. Huh. Anyway, hi, moment. Hi, Teflon. But you're hearing me clearly now? Everything coming through clearly yeah, yeah, now? Yeah. Okay, yeah, awesome. Good, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
this one in a long time and I said you know what let me play this one today Tatiana Alley who remembers her daydreaming Does anybody still daydream over a man though? For real. Think about it yesterday. Somebody was talking to me, but I couldn't understand the word they say. Do men ever daydream about women? That's the question. thinking about this because it has been said that men are visual right women are emotional a man will see a woman and be like yeah i wanna i wonder what she's like yeah i wonder what she looks like without her clothes on you know i, I want to test it out test her out yeah and then she's out of his sight he no longer sees her T tomorrow comes is he still thinking about her? Huh, interesting, right? So Javette says yes for my perfect man. <laughs> yeah. For the right man, we will daydream. Men, you know, we need to hear from you. Put it in the chat. It's time for us to go ahead and get back to business. Now it is time for stories out of North. Um, I'm sorry, but not North America time yet. No, Latin America. We got to talk about our Latin American stories and stories from the international scene before we even venture into North America. All right. First up, Cuban man who was part of international custody battle in South Florida goes into politics. Story courtesy of WSVN. Who remembers Elian Gonzalez, who spent a year in South Florida at the center of an international custody battle? Well, 
he's going into politics. The 29-year-old was nominated to serve on Cuba's National Assembly. Gonzalez was just five years old when he was rescued in the waters of Fort Lauderdale on Thanksgiving in 1999. He was the only survivor on a boat that capsized on its way from Cuba. His mother and nine other people drowned. He went to live with family in Miami, but agents raided the home in April 2000 to reunite him with his father in Cuba. You remember that story, folks? Yep. Yeah, I can't believe it was so long ago. I feel old. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that that story make me make me sad because it seemed like it was just yesterday and he's twenty nine now. So yeah. my gosh, like I I feel triple old. <laughs> James, take it easy, take it easy, because I'm older than you. So slow your roll. So, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Okay. No, you're not. You turned fifty yet? Speak up. I think so. <laughs> Oh, yes, I'm walking in my 50th year. Feels good, though. I don't feel it. Except moments. For... Moments. <laughs> Lion lips are abomination to the Unto Lord. To the Lord, yes. Except for when I'm to get up out the bed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's when I feel it. You're like, oh, hold on. Slow down. Slow down. But yeah, I feel fabulous, right, Tove? We, we are as young as ever. Mm -hmm. Don't play with me. Don't play with me. But yeah, so he's all grown up, 29 years old and going into politics. For our next story, I have to play a little bit of her songs. I love her. I honestly do. La vida es un carnaval.
And then this one, one of her most popular songs, Guantanamera. Celia Cruz, Cuban-American artist, will be the first Latina singer to feature as part of the American Women Quarters program, the U.S. Mint announced. Music legend Cruz, known as the Queen of Salsa, will be honored along with four others by appearing on a quarter in 2024. Cruz was born in Havana in 1925 and died in 2003 in New Jersey. The American Women Quarters Program celebrates the achievements and contributions of America's women, according to the Mint. It is scheduled to last four years from 2022 until 2025. In addition to Celia Cruz, the program's 2024 class includes Patsy Takimoto Mink, the first woman of color to hold a seat in Congress, Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, Civil War surgeon, women's rights advocate and abolitionist, Pauli Murray, poet, writer, activist, lawyer, and Episcopal priest, as well as a staunch defender of civil rights, Zitkala Sa also known as Gertrude Simmons Bonin, writer, composer, educator, and political activist who championed Native Americans' right to American citizenship and other civil rights long denied to them. All of the women being honored have lived remarkable and multifaceted lives. And all have made a significant impact on our nation in their unique way. The women pioneered change during their lifetimes, not yielding, not yielding to the status quo imparted during their lives. By honoring these pioneering women, the Mint continues to connect America through coins, 
which are like small works of art in your pocket. The designs for the coins will be published later this year. There we have it. How do you feel? Yeah, so, so Robin, so I'm playing those songs. Yes. Those are like the soundtrack of my life. Like, <laughs> just, no, trust me. Like, you bring back so much memories because I started, I started dancing um, salsa in 1998. I was a part of the first Jamaican um, salsa group. Um, a group called um, SAS, um, and we took like dancing like right across Jamaica. And those songs that you were, you, that you just played were on every single playlist, every single playlist. And what I love about her um, mute, her songs that are unique, and not just her song, but Cuba Cuban salsa, is that is the only music, the only dance routine I've ever seen on the face of this earth where every single body can dance it. When you go to Cuba and they're playing her songs, you see like two-year-old dancing, you see like 15-year-old, you see like 90-year-old like that can get up dancing and no other music. Like if, if it's hip-hop, like you have to be like some young person breakdancing and spinning on your head. Like if it's reggae, a lot of our teenagers, our young adults, are not dancing to reggae, they're dancing to dancehall. But her music, every single person, despite of your age, as long as you can move, you're dancing to her, her, her music. And yeah, like it's, yeah, soundtrack of my life. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thank you for sharing. Ah, Celia Cruz, Afro-Latina. She has really made an indelible mark as far as salsa music is concerned. But I want to talk a little bit more about salsa while celebrating Celia Cruz. Salsa is one of the most popular Latin dances that is today practiced worldwide. It emerged in the Central American country of Cuba during the late 19th and early years of the 20th century. This country's rich musical history enabled many Latin dances to thrive, grow, and morph into new forms, leading to modern salsa dance and salsa music by the 1920s. The contemporary salsa as we know it evolved from several earlier Cuban dance forms, including son, son montuno, mamba, cha-cha-cha, and also enriched with Puerto Rican influences of dances bomba and plenia. After the initial burst of popularity in Cuba and Puerto Rico, salsa quickly spread across Latin America and the United States, becoming one of the most popular Latin dances. The full origin of the term salsa was never precisely identified, Although the same Spanish word was used beforehand in close connection with Latin dance, the modern version of the term was popularized not organically, but with the marketing push of the record labels and promoters who wanted to introduce this dance to the broader public. In its earliest form, salsa in a Spanish term means spice. All right, so 
Yeah, so she's very influential. Um, I love her, love her music. I've never been to Cuba. I'm going to be going soon and very soon, I hope. Um, but her music makes me feel as though I am there. So I applaud the um, Mint for issuing these um, coins, the quarters, not only Celia Cruz, but we'll also celebrate Patsy Takimoto Mink, Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, Pauli Mori, Zitkala Sa, all significant in history. The history that we may not be, our children may not be taught. The history we were not taught. So let us continue. Let us continue to pass the information on. Oh, I didn't know that, Javette. Netflix had an 80-episode series on Celia Cruz. Ah, wow. Well, just a little bit more about her, courtesy of Wikipedia. In this Spanish name, the first or paternal name surname is Cruz, and the second or maternal family name is Alfonso. Ursula Hilaria Celia de la Caridad Cruz Alfonso. You ever notice something that really stands out with... um? Cuban names, very long. <laughs> 1925, October 21st to July 16, 2003, known as Celia Cruz, was a naturalized Cuban-American singer and one of the most popular Latin artists of the 20th century. Cruz rose to fame in Cuba during the 1950s as a singer of guarachas, earning the nickname La Guarachera de Cuba, in the following decades, she became internationally known as Queen of Salsa due to her contributions to Latin music. She began her career in her native Cuba, earning recognition as a vocalist of the popular music group Sonora Mantancera, a musical association that lasted 15 years from 1950 to 1965. Celia Cruz mastered a wide variety of Afro-Cuban music styles, including guaracha, rumba, afro, son, and bolero, recording numerous singles in these styles for Seco Records. In 1960, after the Cuban Revolution caused the nationalization of the music industry, Cruz left her native country, becoming one of the symbols and spokespersons of the Cuban community in exile. Cruz continued her career first in Mexico and then in the United States the country that she took as her definitive residence. In the 1960s, she collaborated with Tito Puente, recording her signature tune, Bemba Colora. In the 1970s, she signed for Fania Records and became strongly associated with the salsa genre, releasing hits such as Kimbara, as I played earlier. She often appeared live with Fania All-Stars and collaborated with Johnny Pancheco and Willie Colon, during the last years of her career, Cruz continued to release successful songs such as La Vida es un Carnaval and La Negra Tiene Tumbao. Her musical legacy is made up of a total of 37 studio albums, as well as numerous live albums and collaborations. Throughout her career, she was awarded numerous prizes and distinctions, including two Grammy Awards and three Latin Grammy Awards. In addition to her prolific career in music, Cruz also made several appearances as an actress in movies and telenovelas. Her catchphrase, azúcar, sugar, has become one of the most recognizable symbols of salsa music. All right. 
Oh, it's no longer on Netflix USA, only overseas Javette. Why are they doing that? Why did they do that? Why did they take it away from Netflix? Do things only last for a certain amount of time on Netflix and then they're removed? Or I think it's it's based on on numbers, the analytics. If um if they get if it if it doesn't do well, they pull it. Mm. And, and, and the ones that do well, it usually um, last longer. Oh, okay. Thank they, you. They also, they also send it to an international market because there's more money in the international market. Ah, interesting. I didn't know that. Didn't know that at all, Chief. Yeah, so, so moment. I don't know if you, you, you're, you're a Spanish person. You love, you love, you know, the Spanish culture and everything. But like Cuban, I don't know if you have ever been to like a, a club, a Cuban club, and seen Cuban salsa. Like to me, like Cuban salsa is like, it's like magical. Because it's, it's like, you remember like back in the days, like ballroom dancing? But it's like ballroom dancing to a different level. Like there's this, there's this Cuban guy, I think he was a doctor. And he came to Jamaica, he was a doctor in Jamaica, and he used to come to all of the clubs. And when this guy get on the floor, he was about 70 years old or something like that. When he gets on the floor, everybody stopped dancing. Nobody danced when this guy get on the floor. It's like, and it's like volume dancing with break dancing and like a bunch of stuff put in, in one. And it's just like magical to just stand up and watch him like your, your, your jaw just drop. When you see, and when you go to Cuba and you see like the older people dancing to 60s, 70s, like, trust me, it's magical. Like, magical uh, music, magical, you know, dancing and everything. It's amazing. But hold on there. Let me ask you a question, James. Salsa, yes, it's very sensual. But what about um, bachata? What's your, what about, what's that Haitian dance? Is it, I know this music is compa, but what's that Haitian I know they, dance? They, they have one, um, machata. They have machata and they have... Um, um, salsa, merengue, um, they have one called, it's like swing, something similar to swing. Um, they have quite a few of them. I can't remember some of them, but the thing with, uh, machata, machata, a lot of people don't like machata because it, it takes a lot of focus. Like you, you have to be like very focused to do it, doing it. Most people do, when you go to like salsa club, most people are doing the South American salsa. Not a lot of people do Cuban salsa. But hold on a second, hold on a second. Machata, isn't that machete? Not a lot of people do Cuban salsa. And one of the things with Cuban salsa too is... Uh, James, stick it, up in. You said machata, that's machete. There's a dance called machete. Isn't it bachata? No, there's, there's one called machata. Okay. Machata, yeah. It's like it's like a one, two, three, like like a... like a, Almost like a was, but it, it has like a... um. The essence of it is like one, two, three, and like you swing, you swing your your hip, machata. It's it's. I, I don't remember the origin. If it's from, I think it's Brazil. Yeah, I can't remember because it's been such a long time. But it's uh, machata. Now you have me jumping on Google. Bra I think it's I think it's Brazil. If I if I, well, I, bachata, I don't bachata is also one, two, three. Yeah, bachata is one, two, three, definitely. Yeah. So um, the dance, the dance is like one, two, three. Swing your hip like a dance called machata. 
It's a very sensual dance too, but I think it's from Brazil or somewhere. I don't okay, remember. Okay, so the dance is out of Brazil. Samba, Jongo, Carioca, Funk, uh, Bumba May Boy, Foro, Carimbo, Capiera. I know I butchered that one. Uh, Lundu, Bahio, Exote. Uh, that's it, out of Brazil. James, I think you need to double check that one day now. No, look up Machata and see. No, there's a dance. There's a dance called Machata. But I don't I don't remember where it's from. Okay. Let me see. No, no, you have me really I pop my bricks because no. Uh it says, do you mean bachata? <laughs> That's what he keeps throwing back at me. There is a song called Machata, but no dance. Hold on, I'm going. I'm, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging. So, macha, machata, do you mean salsa? Ma, James. I, I, I think it's machata. I think and it's they do that mostly, yeah. They do that mostly in DR. Yeah. And, and Puerto Rico. Yeah, it keeps throwing and it back. It what does it pronounce? Bachata? Yeah, bachata. B A C H A T A. Okay, yeah, so maybe that's the pronunciation, but it's like a one, two, three um, swing type of thing. Okay, yeah. And it says ba bachata, right? Or machata? Bachata. bachata, yes. Okay, yeah, so maybe it's bachata, not machata. Yes, got it. All right, perfect. Yeah, so congratulations to these five women who will be featured. Okay, that's our little um black history moment stuck in there. Uh, Sonette, do you have a um, where's Sonette? Oh, she probably stepped out. Oh, what time? Yeah, it's that time. Okay, so next up, we step onto the international scene with over 19,000 dead. Hopes fade for finding Turkey and Syria quake survivors. Story courtesy of npr.org. Rescue workers pressed their search Thursday morning across Turkey and Syria for survivors from this week's massive earthquake and aftershocks as the window to the find people alive began to close. Rescue crews braved freezing temperatures to pull bodies from the rubble of thousands of buildings that have toppled throughout southern Turkey and northern Syria. The 72-hour mark since Monday's magnitude 7.8 earthquake has now passed. A critical time window that experts say is when most survivors from disasters are found. More than three days after the quake and aftershocks hit the two countries, the number of dead surpassed 19,000, according to the Associated Press. Turkey's government said that in addition to more than 16,000 people killed, more than 64,000 have been injured in Syria. More than 31,000 have been reported dead and more than 5,000 injured. So we continue to send up prayers for those folks um, in Turkey and Syria. And I know many family members are on edge, hoping and still keeping the candle lit that somehow their loved ones will be taken from the rubble. Um, I saw another one pop up here. And I'm like, okay, we're hearing about multiple earthquakes in the Eastern Caribbean. Um, and while I was reading an article, let me see if I see if it comes back up here for me. I think it's on Caribbean.loop news. Um, there was one that popped up. 
in the I want to say South Asia somewhere there okay it's probably I waited too long to grab it but yeah um another one another one hit Dominica as Dominica felt the second one this week um and that was five hours ago that one was reported I don't know we're really getting ready for I think something a major shift is coming not sure if it's going to be as vast as separating Pangea, but did anyone see the, um, I saw it on TikTok where there is a crack that has gone down. Is it Kenya and some other African countries have been split? The earth has opened up or did I, am I the only one that saw it? I saw it on TikTok. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Afa, how you not sit down one day? But tell me yes or no. Because you usually see those things. But um, The earthquakes are getting more and more popular. Okay. Um, in our next story on the American scene, uh, we have some live updates regarding Turkey and Syria. Of course, we now, the, now have a new number, 19,000 plus. Um, the first UN aid convoy has finally reached rebel-held northwest Syria from Turkey. Uh, and hopes, of course, as we said, are quickly fading. Yet, amid the freezing cold, workers are still there trying to pull people out alive. Um, yeah, that's it, really. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we have stories out of North America. Here is on Vogue and Vogue <laughs> giving him something he can feel. Ladies, put it on him this Valentine's Day.
It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday here on Coffee Into, taking you back to the ages, 90s, and early 2000s, taking you down Lover's Lane. Thank you so much to everyone listening online on QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. Thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. Thank you for joining me for Coffee Into World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. You can find me on Twitter, Me Media Moments, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok, Moments with Me Media. And the mean everything is M-I. Can't forget you, can't forget After this one, it's stories out of North America. Keep it locked. five i gotta cut you short thank you for that one though never should have let you go have you all ever done that before let go of somebody and then regret it or has someone ever let you go and then they regretted it Mm, yeah oh yeah so be careful be careful things are not always better on the other side of the fence okay if you really love what you have cherish it 
That's all. I'm done. So stories out of North America. Thank you once again to everyone listening online, johnoradio.com and qmzradio.com. Also, big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. In our first story, a Canadian teen made history after she won $48 million in a lottery. Uh, James, is that your daughter? Is that your daughter? Um, Remember us down here? (laughs) No, she's white. (laughs) It's a white Canadian. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, Oh, yeah, I wasn't even looking at the picture. Hold on. Which one of them in this picture is 18? The one that looked like 35. Uh, I can't tell which one looks like 35 because they both look older than 35. Sorry. So which one is the 18-year-old? The one in the gray or the one in the in the gray sweater or the black jacket? Which one is it, um, James? The one, the one that looked like 35. I can't tell which one looked like 35. Can none of them not look like 35, James? Which one? I think she's brunette. What the hell is brunette? Is that like a light brown color? I don't know what brunette is. James, just said the gray sweater or the black jacket, no man. And stop making it so difficult. You kill me time. I think the picture. I, if you're I'm not, not sure, tell me say you're not sure. I, I'm not seeing the picture, no, but I think she's the one to the right with a big smile on her face. Okay. That's the one without the mask. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she at 18? Okay. Um, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me swallow hard on that one. Story courtesy of CNN via WSVN. Canada's newest millionaire is one for the history books. Meet 18-year-old Juliette Lamour, who won $48 million in the lottery last month. She is now the country's youngest person to win a jackpot of this size. Lamour also had beginner's luck. This was her first ever lottery purchase. She received the check on Friday and told the crowd her grandfather encouraged her to buy the ticket for fun. She learned about her huge win while she was at work. Lamore says while her boss told her she could go home, her mother wanted her to stay and finish her shift. As far as her plans for the money, she says she plans to pursue her dream of going to medical school and becoming a doctor. Um... 18. I'm still, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on what 18 year old looks like. 18 years old looks like. Uh, Javette, I thought so too. I thought, I thought, I thought you had to be 21 to be able to gamble, but I guess it's different up there in Canada, right? James, is it 18, 16? What's the age up there? 18? Yeah, I think 18. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I think she gets to keep all of it. I think, I don't think they tax it. Hmm. Can I move to Canada? <laughs> or should I be sending money to my family in Canada and ask them to purchase tickets up there for me? But then when it comes to the U.S., they're going to tax it, huh? Mm, okay. Good for you, young lady. I hope you are able to pursue your dream. 18. Lawyer alleges that six-year-old student who shot his teacher previously choked another. Did we talk about this one yesterday? I couldn't remember, honestly. And I said I have to ask my folks here on Clubhouse because you'd all remind me. Um, the, the six-year-old who shot his teacher previously choked another teacher until she couldn't breathe. Story courtesy of Bala Alert. 
Legal documents show that the six-year-old Virginia student who shot his first-grade teacher frequently cursed at staff and teachers, chased students around, attempted to whip them with his belt, and once choked another teacher until she couldn't breathe. Why is he in school? Is there another facility that he can be in? And if this is the type of student, he has behavioral issues and his parents claim that he has mental health issues why then did they not go to school with him that week why would they have dropped the ball now in this case because this student this six-year-old has a history of um questionable behavior should we then turn our attention to the parents and charge them as well because the mother is the one that that week when he took the gun to school, she, um, she didn't go with him and the dad didn't go with him to school as they normally would for that entire week. Monday they didn't go, Tuesday they didn't go, Wednesday they didn't go, Thursday they didn't go. So I guess what the fitness, the child say, yes, Friday I may get my chance because I'm not coming with me so now I can do what I want to do. Or so we think. As it was pointed out by someone um, when the story broke that hmm, don't be alarmed if the parents have something to do with it. So at what point did the school express concern? Because clearly the school must have known and we know that one administrator stepped down or was fired. But at what point was the school going to take um, matters into their hands? frequently cursed at staff and teachers and they're like oh he's just six years old oh my gosh he's so cute oh he has mental issues don't worry about it chased students around oh don't worry about it he's just six years old he's doing what kids do attempted to whip them with his belt oh don't worry about it he's a child he's you know he's just playing around he's okay choked another teacher until she couldn't breathe oh don't worry about it he's six years old he doesn't know what he's doing he's so cute so it took him shooting a teacher to get their attention hmm? he slammed a teacher's cell phone two days before that, that was two days before the shooting and i want to believe it's the teacher he shot slammed her cell phone shut shattering it went into detention for a day and then returned the next day and shot her i believe the school needs to be held responsible they were notified, they ignored. But I also say the parents need to be held responsible. You know you have a troubled child on your hand. You know you're supposed to take this child to school every day and sit in school with him. And you drop the ball. Monday, you drop the ball. Tuesday, you drop the ball. Wednesday, you drop the ball. Thursday, you what's the reason why you did not go with him? I'm still waiting to hear the reason. All we're he hearing from the parents is, oh my gosh, they feel so sad and sorry about this. And that's a very good question, Sula. 
are they no longer in the business of suspending children? Oh, but he's six. Oh, he's too cute. He's just a baby. He doesn't know what he's doing. This is 2023. We live in a very technologically advanced society. Everything is tech, 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 tech. The children are exposed to tech at a very early age. A lot of it by our by parents who give them the cell phones or give them the tablets as a way to babysit them because they're too tired or they can't be bothered. So they don't want to have interaction. So what do they do? They give a, 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 a nine-month-old a, a phone or a, or a tablet to entertain themselves. So what do you expect? A six-year-old now is not us at six years old. Do you all remember what you were doing at six years old? Were you thinking about killing somebody at six years old? I want to believe that for us at six years old, we knew somehow we knew the difference between reality and acting. I don't know, but um, what can I say? The parents need to be held responsible. I'm a done talk. Next up, reporter arrested during news event on Ohio train derailment. Story courtesy of the Associated Press. A broadcast reporter was pushed to the ground and handcuffed and arrested for trespassing on Wednesday while covering a news conference about the derailment of a train carrying toxic chemicals in Ohio. News Nation posted video of correspondent Evan Lambert being arrested in the gymnasium of an elementary school in East Palestine where Governor Mike DeWine was giving an update about the accident. Lambert was held for about five hours before being released from jail. I'm doing fine right now. It's been an extremely long day, he said after his release. No journalist expects to be arrested when they're doing their job. And I think it's really important that that doesn't happen in our country. At the end of his news conference, DeWine said he did not authorize the arrest and reporters have every right to report during briefings. If someone was stopped from doing that or told they could not do that, that was wrong. Okay, so why was he arrested? Hmm. The Colombiana, or they actually have a place called Colombiana, I was thinking about the movie Colombiana with, um, what's her name? Zoe Saldana. Love that movie. Love it. Um, anyway, back to business. And you know my favorite part of that movie? Eat. That's my favorite part. I'll watch the whole movie just to get to that part. Eat. Anyway, the Colombiana County Sheriff's Office Administration said the arrest was made by officers from the East Palestine Police Department. A message seeking comment from the department was not immediately returned. About 50 train cars, including 10 carrying hazardous materials, derailed in a fiery crash on Friday night on the, east, uh, on the edge of East Palestine. Federal investigators say a mechanical issue with a rail car axle caused the derailment. Nearby residents in Ohio and neighboring Pennsylvania were ordered to evacuate when authorities decided on Monday to release and burn chemicals from five tankers filled with vinyl chloride, sending hydrogen chloride and the toxic gas phosgene into the air. All right, what exactly, where are my scientists in the building? What exactly is vinyl chloride? I have to look that up. I'm sorry. 
the other half of my brain is not going to let me go by. Vinyl chloride is a colorless gas that burns easily. It does not occur naturally and must be produced industrially for its commercial uses. So what is it used for? Vinyl chloride is used in the manufacture of numerous products in building and construction, automotive industry, electrical wire insulation and cables, piping, industrial and household equipment, medical supplies, and is depended upon heavily by the rubber, paper, and glass industry. So learn something new today. Vinyl chloride. What was the other one they said? Um, Hydrogen chloride. Phosgene. Phosgene is the other one I've never heard about. What's the, um, what, what is that one? Okay. Where is Google again? Um, we're, we're learning, we're, we're knowing, um, what is this? Chemistry? Chemistry class? Uh, phosgene. Here is the element. Um, it's a chemical compound. Here is the formula for it. C-O-C-I-2. Folks, by the time we're done, we can go on Jeopardy, right? Um, but we have to go as a as a group. They can't just take one of us. They need all of us. Because I know all of us not going to remember every single thing we learned. So, not, yeah, well, not one of us will remember every single thing. So, it's, you know, somebody will remember something. So, we need a group. Um, what you call it? Jeopardy. So, phosgene, a P-H-O-S-G-E-N-E-C-O-C-I, or, yeah, two, is a colorless gas with a suffocating odor like musty hay. Exposure to phosgene may cause irritation to the eyes, dry burning throat, vomiting, cough, foamy sputum, breathing difficulty, and chest pain. And when liquid frostbite workers, and when liquid it becomes frostbite or causes frostbite, workers may be harmed from exposure to phosgene. Hmm. Okay. It is a major industrial chemical that's used to make plastics and pesticides. I wonder if that's what's in the um Bayer product. Um, what is it? The one that they have the lawsuit for that kills the dandelions, the dandelions that are beneficial to our health. Uh, we spoke about it the other day. Roundup. I wonder if that's what's in Roundup. Hmm. Okay, interesting. I hope you all took notes. You're going to have an exam at the end of this. So y'all have to pass if you want to keep coming to coffee. So you have to get a passing grade of 75. See, I'm not too hard. I'm not telling you 90 to pass. 75 to pass the class so you can keep coming back. All right, so phosgene. Let's remember what, what it is. Okay, all right, so... Um, I'm trying to understand why, um, what the issue was though. How is it that he was, um, hmm. it still hasn't told me why he was, um, arrested, why he was arrested for trespassing. Okay. Next, next Walmart shooting suspect pleads guilty to federal charges. Story courtesy of the Associated Press. A Texas man pleaded guilty on Wednesday to federal charges, accusing him of killing nearly two dozen people in a racist attack at an El Paso Walmart. 
changing his plea weeks after the U.S. government said it would not seek the death penalty for the hate crimes and firearms violations. Patrick Crucio still faces a potential death sentence if he's convicted on a state capital murder charge in the 2019 shooting that killed 23 people. He pleaded not guilty in the state case, but his lawyers said last month that he would enter a guilty plea to the federal charges. He's 24 years old. He surrendered to the police after the massacre saying, I am the shooter, and that he was targeting Mexicans, according to court records. Prosecutors have said he drove more than 10 hours from his hometown near Dallas to the largely Latino border city and published a document online shortly before the shooting that said it was in response to the Hispanic invasion of Texas. Are you people? So let me ask you a question. You get to commit the crime and then you get to play the system to your benefit. You get to do this horrific crime but then you get to play the system because you don't want to die and i guarantee you he's not going to face um capital murder charges i guarantee you he is going to end up spending the rest of his life in jail how is it that they're always able to play the system but then the first thing that they say when the news story breaks, is that these people have mental health issues. These people really have mental health issues and are able to maneuver and manipulate the way they do. When are we going to stop accepting mental health issues as the reason for these attacks? in response to the Hispanic invasion of Texas. He probably, you see, this is why history is important in class. Not Western history. History in all its forms is so important because he would have known that Texas was a part of Mexico. And when the U.S. got Texas, they also got a lot of Mexicans along with that. It's inevitable. You're going to have a strong Mexican population in Texas. And guess what? Texas still borders Mexico. So it is going to be a crossing point. How do we ensure that he does face state capital murder charges? which will guarantee him facing a death sentence. How can we see to it that this happens for him? Because right now he is laughing and he, he is laughing in people's faces and he is insulting the families of those persons he murdered. See, I can do what I want and get away with it. And when they do this, those who are truly suffering from mental health issues now are looked at and not taken seriously. You know the story about the boy that cried wolf? There is going to come a point where we no longer care 
We're slowly getting there. Javetta, hope your state does right by these 23 families that lost loved ones because of this heinous act that happened in 2019 at the Walmart in El Paso, Texas. His hatred for Mexicans drove him to do this. He's not mentally ill. He's filled with hate. And he, in my opinion, shows no remorse for it and does not, in my opinion, regret having committed that act. You're right, Javed. They believe the same thing. You're right. You're right. In something a little more positive, after the Super Bowl, State Farm Stadium will have tons of leftovers. Here's how that food will get to people in need fast. Story courtesy of CNN. Oh, this Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday? Is this Sunday? Somebody say no, please say no. Yeah, it's this Sunday. It's this Sunday. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> I thought the same thing yesterday. Yes, yeah, this Sunday. Woohoo! Woohoo! On Super Bowl Sunday, an army of volunteers will be ready outside and inside State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, to execute a time-sensitive game plan of their own. Their mission: recover and redistribute a tremendous volume of surplus food. Thousands of eagles. Why am I singing? Um, wanna pray for me? I'm here singing. Drop down and get. It's like gonna drop down and get your eagle on. What's his name? Nelly's song in my head. Oh, it is Rihanna Day. Yeah, it's Rihanna Day. Can't wait to see what Riri gonna bring out. I'm so excited. Yeah, thousands of Eagles and Chiefs fans will gather on February 12 to enjoy elaborate pregame tailgating and watch parties at or near the stadium in Glendale, where this year's Super Bowl is taking place. Tens of thousands of pounds of food will also be stored and prepared for sale to fans through concession stands. Regina Anderson, executive director of Food Recovery Network, is coordinating a campaign to rescue leftover food on game day, equipped with refrigerated trucks, pallet jacks and lift gates, FRN and other groups, will move some of what the National Football League estimates can be much, uh, somewhere around 140,000 pounds of donatable food and beverage generated by Super Bowl events. So if they can do this, okay, hold on, folks. Before I even get into that spiel, tickets, tickets are $875 a pop for adults, $499 for kids 15 and under. Yeah. Anyway, and that's, I'm sure they have more expensive tickets than that too, depending on where you're going to sit. But my, I want to get back to this. And I know this is something we have spoken about before. And, you know, as it relates to restaurants and the amount of food that's wasted and that has to be dumped, even with supermarkets, if they are able, if this organization is able to move the food quickly to those who 
are vulnerable and those who can benefit. Why can't they do the same for restaurants? Why? They actually have organizations like those for restaurants. So how come I've never heard about them? I didn't know that. Yeah, they do, and, and, and they're getting they're getting more more common. There's there's a there's one there's an organization. Um, it's set up like like um, um, Grubhub, DoorDash type of thing, mm -hmm. um, and people go on the platform. So, for example, like if if you're going to close your restaurant like in one hour, mm -hmm. and you have like food that you're going to dump, you can just update it in real time on the platform and just say something that would you'd pay ten dollars for. You can get it for like a dollar or dollar fifty. So you, you update the site and you say like, okay, I have um, 10 portions of like, say, oxtail with rice and peas or whatever. Um, come and get it for $1. So yeah, there are platforms like that. But they're, they're, they're still trying to work it out because it's, it's still complicated because they're still worried about like um, lawsuits and stuff like that. But there are platforms like that though. Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention, James. I was not aware. But you're saying money still is involved. Why, why are they charging? If we're talking about getting it to vulnerable persons, for example, shelters, people who live on the streets, why are we charging? Because if you give it away for free, that's where the lawsuit comes in. So, so, okay, so I think, okay, I yes, got you. I think, I think, I don't know that, but there's, there's some stuff behind it with, with, with where, with the law and stuff like that, that, um, it's easier, like when you're, because I don't know if it's considered because you're dumping stuff or whatever, people, people could say that it's not good and it set you up for lawsuit. But I think the middle company, um, I think there's some agreement that once you go on this, th that platform, mm -hmm. Like there's something that you have to um, think that you have to read and think that you agree to it that you're you're you cannot sue the company in case of any like if you get sick or whatever if you like have diarrhea or whatever you can't sue the company so the the restaurants feel more comfortable doing it like that instead of just calling people off the street and giving them because because of the lawsuit it's very very complicated. Oh wow. All right, let me check the chat real quick. Sanet said, most cities I know have something like that. Uh, I know of the app James Speaks and says it's called Too Good To Go. All right. Sanet also said, um, food banks also pick up from larger restaurants. Jilly uh, is saying that if someone gets sick from the food, they can sue. The middleman takes away the liability of getting sued. Uh, Jocelyn said, uh, six restaurants that donate their food at the end of the day. Uh, Le, Ber Le Bernardin is passionate about hunger. Starbucks has donated over 5 million meals. Pret A manager has donated over 800,000 meals. Okay, well, I feel a little better. Go ahead, Sonette. You, you, you really don't know these restaurants. They're big deals. No, um, I don't. Le Bernardin is a French rest, French um seafood restaurant in New York City, Pret-a-Manger. It's a um, pastry shop. They have coffee, real good coffee. They're kind of like Starbucks, but a little bit smaller scale. So they, oh, they wow. may have 
they're in New York City. I don't. I've never seen a Pret a Manger anywhere else except for um, or is it Manger? Pret a Manger. Yeah, it's, it's a, a British company. And, is it British? Okay. Yes, and there was uh, there used to be one in New York soup. I used to go to when I worked in the city, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. They sell soup and sandwiches and and salads. Uh, yeah, that well sounds like Panera coffee. bread, Jocelyn. Yes. Yeah, similar. It's more yeah. like Panera. You are right. But but uh, I would say higher end. Ah, looks like I need to take a trip to New York then, huh? Oh, anytime. I'm here. Laverne <laughs> Dan just got five stars in the New York Times. Wow. They are like. It's goals, but you good luck getting a reservation to get to. Oh, you have to make reservations too. Oh yeah, Le Bernadette is um is a big restaurant. Um, the top chef is Eric Prepare. He's like he used to be great friends with um Anthony Bourdain. Uh huh. And he's the head chef of chef of that restaurant. He's oh my a gosh. a good guy. Yeah. So I can't wear my ripped jeans and torn t-shirt and yes you. Flip flops. Wear what you want, but just know that your di- your dinner your dining experience will not be under two hundred dollars. <coughs> You'd have to pair those pants with diamond earrings and high end bags and shoes, and I have to look. Oh, and I have to have a Burberry scarf along with my Tiffany Breton uh, necklace. Oh my gosh! And I have to put on an accent and make them think. <laughs> I have funny. I don't. I don't do that nonsense. I don't even wear name brands, and I go to those places. And I Just don't go own those things. Be yourself. <laughs> be yourself. They're pay for your meal. It's not gonna be cheap. Oh jeez, um, I tell you, listen. Anybody broke into my house and come into my closet with vets? Remember me tell you, they probably beat me for not have no brand there in there. You're like, what kind of? Ch- People, man, is this nothing? Nothing. Go ahead, Teflon. No, I was going to say Pret. They make the worst hot chocolate. Don't yeah. like that shop. Oh, you have one over there in England too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're everywhere, but they make they make the worst drinks. I don't like it. Prefer Costa. What do you like from them? Um, not Pret. I don't like anything from there. They they do the worst hot chocolate. Um, yes, yeah, so I don't go there. It's, it's, it is high end, but their products are crap. The breakfast sandwiches are good. Yeah, yeah I think they the have sal- a sandwich I like. Yeah, the bang, sandwich. bang, chicken, yeah, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah, the sandwiches are okay, but the drinks are crap. <laughs> Te- Teflon, how do you mess up hot chocolate? No, seriously, no. E- exactly. Somebody please tell me. Please exactly. tell me. Please. E- I beg exactly. How oh, my you? God. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Um, listen, Geely, you can count on a Britain person, <laughs> someone from London, to speak the truth. That's one thing I will tell you about the Brits. They're brutally honest. They're not going to beat around the bush. <laughs> I think some of their stuff is good, but um, yeah, I, I, I didn't eat everything from there. But I don't yeah. think it's terrible, honestly. <laughs> but you know what, Sonette? I tell you something. Um, there, for example, Olive Garden. When we used to eat at Olive Garden in Atlanta, the food tastes way better than the Olive Garden down here in Miami. So could it be that depending on where you are, different locations and 
depend on who is heating up the plastic bag with the food in the kitchen that determines the taste i don't know of course it's like every restaurant depends who the chef is at the day mm. but but uh, do they... they have a chef though olive garden i've heard some restaurants like um what's that lo red, lobster red lobster and and olive garden they they're all about warming up stuff they it's, don't yeah. have it's always good to find out whether there's a chef on premises um before paying you know big money yeah yeah thank you for that jocelyn go ahead uh teflon you're up um i forgot what i was gonna say sorry <laughs> teflon said he forgot uh yes sin no sin i'm from jamaica never had kfc in jamaica um yes I remember. No, you're missing out. Yes, yeah, so, so I've been told. I, the last time I was in Jamaica, I remember my mom and I were driving past, we're going home, and she said, You want the KFC? Mr. Homina, John, no line. Very sorry. Somebody else will have to get that for me. So on to home I went. But when? The, the next time I go, I'm going to definitely try, though. Don't know when that will be, but I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead, Tev. No, when I first went to Jamaica, I tried KFC and oh my God, I literally, I was, I stayed in there for an hour. I had like three meals. <laughs> the bar, the bar, I went up to the counter, I said, oh my God, the food is so nice. Can I have another one? And they started laughing. Wow. <laughs> the, barbecue, the, the barbecue chicken is out of the world, man. Every, yeah, it's different. They season the chicken. Um, the ones in the UK, it's just bland. It's just, it's just raw chicken with coated, um, batter on the outside but the um the jamaican kfc is really good and it's got like all the extras like it's got a biscuit and yeah man it's definitely good why are you making my mouth water <laughs> thank you teflon for nothing nothing <laughs> i'm over here drooling i'm really sick of everybody talking about jamaica kfc the next time i go i'm gonna make it a point of duty to see to it that i get me some kfc the kfc for me i tried the kfc here in um miami it's y'all can keep that Mo Mo moments we have to do a room on why jamaica kfc is so much better than american KFC. no because we're gonna bust what the secret fabian we're gonna bust man? the secret we can't bust the secret man all right, all right. <laughs> some things we have to keep to ourselves, right we can't make everybody know i mean you see isn't the secret just season the chicken? Because in Jamaica, <laughs> they season the chicken. Hey, hey maybe, maybe the, the secret is it's real chicken? I don't know. All of that, too. Yeah. Yeah. All of that, too. It not have no chlorine in it to preserve it. That could be it, too. Fresh chicken. Real fresh chicken. Oh, boy. But I'm so grateful for this article because it has allowed me to learn about something I was totally unaware of because I always had a huge concern when it comes to food and the underprivileged and the most vulnerable and those whom I feel could benefit the most. And as I'm here talking, I don't want to go too much off on a tangent, but um, as I'm here talking, I'm thinking about this building. We talk about homelessness and we talk about people struggling to pay rent. If anyone is familiar with um, Miami Gardens, right at the circle where 826 meets um, that stretch going to turn Pike and then close by you have 
the golf um what's that golfing place top golf there is a building that's there i if i'm not wrong i think it was a hospital many years ago many many years ago but for the past i want to say 10 years or more and correct me my floridians my south floridians that building is abandoned has been abandoned it's just there it's an eyesore and every time i pass the building and i'm like god bless me with some money please i would love to be able to take it and turn it into something valuable for those who are homeless those who are transitioning those who are displaced whatever those who are in need turn them into like little apartments studio apartments um yeah um i don't know if you're familiar with it oh todd or fabian marlon you know the building i'm talking about because every time we look at it we talk about it it's not a, it's not golden glades no it's not a, that's not an interchange it's, is it close to the interchange would you say i'm trying to remember but um we have so many abandoned buildings that can be renovated, rehabilitated, if needs be, tear them down and put up structures where people can, you know, go. I know there are some people who struggle with, um, what's that word, phobia, when claustrophobia, who you cannot confine them. But at least you would have a section where people can go and take showers, get a haircut, feel fresh, get some clothing, have a meal, and then they can go back out. Why don't we have more of those? Why can't we convert more of these abandoned building, build, um, buildings? Oh, Tata, you don't know the building? I guess you don't go to Miami Gardens. Okay, so Oh, Tata doesn't go to the strip club, so he don't know it. So, um... If I may chime yes, in. Yes, Johnson. yes, Thank you. You know, I've always thought that, uh, well, we know how Las Vegas came about, and there's so much waste, so much um, uninhabited lands um, in America. And we have the technology. We've seen miniature houses. And I've always wondered if that isn't one way to, to help with the homeless problem in this country is build miniature houses and use like you said have like um what do they call them in israel um uh, the community places where you can take a shower like you said get a haircut uh, get a manicure occasionally yeah. <laughs> and just find work for them within the community you know get businesses like these businesses who um you know generous like you know, we just read there about Panera Bread and, and we know Trader Joe's. These are generous companies and Costco. Get them, you know, if we could get them to hire these people part time so they have a sense of purpose. So I think more could be done. We could we can solve the problem, just like the little kid we discussed earlier, um, you know, with his bullying um, that went on to murder we are not good in this country about solving problems about 
getting, you know, nicking things uh, um, initially, getting getting to the, the root of the problem and solving them, they grow into big, big problems. Yeah, we are reactive, not proactive. That's our problem. That is our problem, Jocelyn. We, it's always after the fact. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. That's how we operate here in this country. Um, to the chat, there is an area in New York called Billionaire's Row, where almost all the apartments are empty. New York has a crazy homeless situation. It's really bad. Thank you for highlighting that, Julie. And what are the, um, the representatives doing there in New York about it? Who is paying taxes on these abandoned buildings? Are they paying taxes on them? And here's another real estate opportunity that someone who is um, philanthropic and has the money to do so, check out these abandoned buildings and see if property taxes are being paid. If they're not being paid, let's say for, I think it's seven years. If you can pay the, um, the property taxes for seven years and you can show proof of such, you can see about taking over the property legally. If you have the money, anyone listening? Ah, so in a okay, Gili. My next question, because Gili's saying um, the apartments are owned by mostly international billionaires, aka the Chinese. Now, if memory serves me well, for example, in South Florida, if you have a piece of land and you don't maintain the land, you don't have to put up a structure, but if you don't maintain that land and the city has to, um cut the grass or whatever, you get a bill, you are fined for it. Is a fine imposed on these billionaires in New York? Because if you're constantly being fined, it would force you to do something. And I believe that the city should hold these people responsible. It's either you're going to do something or, or give it up to somebody else, but you should not be allowed to have these buildings there unless, unless they are using these buildings for illicit activity. And Madonna. Yeah, you buy your air rights. The buildings are maintained, but the apartments are empty. Hmm, Donald is saying the same thing. How does that work, though? The buildings are maintained. They must have a plan for it. Well, you know what? China's slowly taking over the world. So they probably have a plan for them, you know. And they're, they're what you call putting their ducks in a row so that when it's time to move, they move. Yeah, that's probably what it is. So. Let me stop fast in a rich people business and worry about the two pennies that I have that I lack. And I'm still trying to anybody. I hope you all are checking your accounts daily. Make sure you stay on top of your money. Me, I got to watch my couple pennies. Make sure um, no bank not defraud me. Oh, none of my money. All right. Time for another quick break. When we return, we have business and tech news. Here is a little bit more from the oldies but goodies but let me see who remembers this one yeah let me play this one damage um i'm sorry forever lady of my soul sorry. forever deep inside my heart you'll leave me 
hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday, taking you back to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Listen to lyrics. And you're the last thing on my mind before I go to sleep at night. That's you're right. Always when I'm in need, when trouble's on my mind, you put my soul at ease. There is no one in this world who can love me like you do. So many reasons that I want to spend forever with you. I'll be loving you forever. Deep inside my heart you'll leave me never. Even if you took my heart and tore it apart. Man, are you taking notes? These are the lyrics that we want to hear, yeah? These are the things you ought to be telling us. Until I had them But when I get the to tell you the words Just never seem to come out right That's right, Teflon. Not possible, James. Not possible. How much I do to meet you. I'm getting you young folks ready for Valentine's Day next week. I'm trying to tell myself that I have no reason. I agree with you, Altada, for real. Now, just the other night while you were sleeping, I vaguely heard you whisper someone's name. But uh, when I ask you other thoughts you keep in, you just said that I love you. To music, man. Don't let love come just by. Try. It's all we have. 
see, we have to teach these young folks about good music, how to woo a woman through song. These are the real panty dropper songs. I gotta squeeze in a little new addition. Here we go. You know, back in the day when I was in high school, I swore I was gonna get married to Ralph Dresbot. I know that in my heart 
I had to play that one to the very end. That was New Edition. I'm still in love with you. You know, they don't make them like they make them anymore. Ah, they don't make them like that anymore. We need more of these songs. These songs, yeah, Ota Ota, you're so right. Take me back to the 90s. Woo! They knew how to get you to, um, yeah, let me just stop right there. We are still on air. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know what I need to do? I need to open a room one night, days after dark, room one night. Just love songs. Hold on. Valentine's Day falls on what day, by the way? I'm here running my mouth. It's a Tuesday? Is it a Tuesday? Yes, it is. Every day is Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's right, Fabian. That's right. Okay, Otada. Yeah. Leg of the sheet, Otada. Leg of the sheet, Otada. Leg of the sheet. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Tata, your PTR are killing me. Donald with him. You know what? Donald and Javette, you're killing me in the chat. Y'all are terrible. You all are terrible. All right. So, yeah. You know, next week, Tuesday is Valentine's Day. So Monday night. So Monday night, that means that there's no coffee until Tuesday morning. Maybe just water because I'm willing. If y'all will hang out, I'll hang out Monday night playing music. After. All, all we need with that moment is some uh, Jamaica Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now we're good. <laughs> and then that would be complete. And some sorrel. <laughs> and some sorrel. There and we go. Put another and order in right now. Wash it down. Right now. Listen, yeah, we could do that. We could, you know, do um, ring in Valentine's nights. It's all about love. It's not really per se Valentine's Day, right? Because we know the history behind that. But it's all about love. So we can definitely do that. Yeah. Hey, moments. Um, yeah. Your, your president, Ron DeSantis, would be happy to know that you're playing your part to um, populate America. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's not the right group of people. So, um yeah, but we're populating nonetheless. <laughs> Javette says she wants ginger beer so she can fight off the road. You better fight that Rona off. You better go make you some um, lemon and garlic and onion. Boil that all up and get to chugging. We're not having no Rona around here. Rona needs to, you know, go back in her corners. Exactly, Tasha. Love on yourselves. You know, if you have a bathtub run it get you some bubble bath some oh bath salts T tasha i think you need to um what i need for reach out to tasha for the bath salts right so and then get your body oil so you can glisten down and you know all that good stuff yeah yeah loving yourselves <laughs> i like that javette <laughs> let me you know what i forgot this is daytime this is not days after dark let me get back to business disney oh I forgot. <laughs> so that is killing me. <laughs> Disney plans to cut 7,000 jobs and reward shareholders. St story courtesy of CNN. 
via WSB. And Disney became the latest company to report deep job cuts, as it said it would cut 7,000 jobs from its global workforce. Disney had about 220,000 workers as of October 1, of which approximately 166,000 were employed in the United States. A cut of 7,000 jobs represents about 3% of its global workforce. While this is necessary to address the changes we're facing today, I do not make this decision lightly, said CEO Bob, who returned to lead the company in November when the board fired Bob. Oh, so you have Bob Eger, Iger, Iger, not sure how he pronounces his last name. Uh, he replaced Bob Chapek. I guess it's just Bob the Builder around here for, uh, I don't know, for Disney, who returned to lead the company in November and when the board fired Bob Chapek as the company's leader. He said, I have enormous respect and appreciation for the talent and dedication of our employees worldwide, and I'm mindful of the personal impact of these changes. The job cuts come as part of the cost-cutting effort also announced on Wednesday. Bob said the company is aiming for $5.5 billion of cost savings across the company, with $2.5 billion of that coming from non-content operations such as movies and television shows. Wow. Okay. Isn't it amazing that these billion-dollar companies, anytime they need to make more money, is about reducing staff and overworking the few they keep? Mm. <laughs> Can we find better innovative ways? And you, you would think these companies are broke. These are companies that are making billions. Yep. Mm -hmm. They are. They're not losing anything. They're not losing anything. Uh, naturalist, I'm not sure what's in the air down here in Florida. I think by now you should realize it's a whole lot of crazy down here in Florida. Look at who our governor is. Look at all the things, you know, you hear about in the news. I'm so sorry that you lost your voice and all of that. Really sorry. I hope you get it back real quick. Real, real quick. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, right. No, I know. Oh, what is that? Yeah. It ain't getting no better right now. It's gone. It's totally gone. You need to gargle with some um, peroxide. I've tried everything so far. None working. Mm. Hold on. I think you need to hurry up and get that voice back. Don't you have something coming up? Yeah, you better hurry up and get that voice back. We need to hear that nice voice, that nice radio voice. So working it, working it, working it. No, Sonette, you'll be fine. He stopped up there where, you know, we don't call, you know, that's, I don't know what that is. I got married in that city, I would have you know. So I do have a fond feeling for that city and the area surrounding. It was Clearwater, not Tampa specific, but Clearwater is a subsection of Tampa. So watch your mouth. <laughs> Over there, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we only stick to South Florida. <laughs> crazy enough down here yeah but harp and get better harp and get better and tonight you're gonna be fine nothing gonna happen to you you're gonna be just fine well donnell what do they say capitalism in its finest form huh right um we can do as we like the goal of capitalism is to acquire 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 uh and spend the least amount possible with no care for who gets affected as long as i'm gimme 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 
That's the mentality, right? What are we going to do? Nearly 5 million bottles of Fabuloso cleaner has been recalled. Oh, I think I have some in my bathroom. I need to go one of my bathrooms. I need to go check. CNN is reporting that the Consumer Product Safety Commission says Fabuloso multipurpose cleaners may contain bacteria that could be harmful to people with weakened immune systems or underlying lung conditions. The bacteria can enter the body if inhaled through the eyes or broken skin. Healthy people typically are not affected by the bacteria. The affected products were sold on Amazon and retail stores like Dollar General, Sam's Club, and Walmart. People can check to see about getting a refund or a replacement by contacting the Colgate Palmolive Company. You know, I'm a column. I'm a column. But um, let me ask a question. Isn't Fabulosa supposed to kill bacteria? So how is there bacteria in it? Shouldn't it kill it then? I am confused. This is a cleaning product. How are you dirty? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fabuloso is used to kill bacteria, but it has bacteria. Shouldn't it be able to cleanse itself? Make that make sense. That means, listen, that tells you right now it's not a cleaner. Huh. Put it away and go buy some Clorox bleach. Oh, I, I was just about to say that. Bleach. <laughs> you know, these cleaning products are so harmful. Um, and the air in our homes is sometimes more contaminated than the air outside because of these toxic chemicals we bring in. Um, someone told me about a inexpensive um cleaning product that it's usually to the bottom of the supermarket shelf um bonami i don't know if anyone has heard of it but i use it for everything the sink the pots and pans it's a natural made of like three simple natural ingredients and it's organic yeah i've heard of that that's one. what i use it's a dollar something and um you know, these expensive ones, especially like we discussed here previously about PFAS, these chemicals that don't break down. So we have to be very careful and stick to, you know, what's been around for a long, long time, like bleach. A little bit goes a long way. Yes, I agree. But, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, vinegar is a powerful cleaning agent. It's natural and it neutralizes odors. It's good to pour a bottle of vinegar and vinegar is cheap. It's good to pour um, vinegar down your bathroom drains, your kitchen sink, put it in your washing machine, put it in your dishwasher, in your yes. toilet, everywhere. Yes. Pour that Clean vinegar. your coffee pot. Yes. yes. Pour that vinegar. And there, um, I learned this from Rosa. Rosa, when I, I saw Rosa, well, anyway, Rosa cleaned out the refrigerator one day. The refrigerator looked like new and the, it, the, she used vinegar and it, the glass, you know, they use the glass for the shelves, spotless and remains spotless for weeks. After, if you have a glass shower door, Use after you clean that um, glass, you get off the soap scum, spray it with vinegar and wipe it down. It works as a repellent for soap scum and makes your bathroom look spotless. 
instead of cleaning your um, windows or your mirrors with Kleenex and your faucets, instead of shining them down with Windex or anything like that, good old vinegar. Another one, if you cook and you clean your meat, lemon juice. You know, you cut that lime and you squeeze that and you rub down the place. Good old natural products. Baking soda, great for unclogging your drains too. Before you run to purchase uh, uh, what you call these, Mr. Plumber or whatever, use these natural things. Baking soda, vinegar, bleach, and um, I just said it, vinegar, bleach, I get alter lemon lemon, lemon. Lime. yes lemon or lime thank you uh it lem lemon works with, well with fish vinegar works well with meats yes 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 and you know we walk into some people's homes and you have these strong sweet smells licking you over they're not necessarily healthy for you they're not I'm glad you brought that up because these are new, they, they damage your brain. These clean doesn't have a smell. You know, we perfumes our, perfume our homes with these sprays and they're not good for our, our neurological system. Not at so all. If you, I sometimes squeeze a lime or lemon in water when I'm mopping. Natural. Keep it natural. We're Caribbean people. We're used to the real thing. Yes. So we don't have to spend money buying these expensive and have our cabinets filled with these cleaning products. Like I said, I only have one, Bonami. And like you said, I use vinegar for my glassware. But thanks for the additional tips. I'll use it. Yes, you're welcome, Jocelyn. You're so welcome. And Tasha, thank you for this reminder. Um, rum. If you need to clean your meat and you not have no vinegar, you run out of vinegar or you not have no lemon or lime, draw your buckle of rum and use that clean your meat. You can use it as a cleaning agent too. Yep. Good old rum. Any, any excuse to take a short <laughs> moments? <laughs> oh, you know, so a shot for you and a shot for me, a shot for the bucket and a shot for me. I'm purifying my body and maintaining my organs, right? I'm cleaning, cleaning. Inside and out. Yeah, good old rum. Thank you for that. And Javette has mentioned, put something else in the chat. Soy candles. Soy candles are better for you. Um, and, you know, we live in a country where we run our AC. We don't want to open our windows. If you're able, I know it's cold, folks, but if you are in a tropical region or when the weather warms up, get in the habit of opening your windows every now and again. Let in some fresh air. Allow the toxins to escape. Because where are they, go where are they going? In our bodies. We're inhaling them. Right? And these things affect us. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I'm so glad we brought this. Thank, thank you um, for this article. Appreciate you. All right. Another one real quick. Let me squeeze this one in. Microsoft unveils revamped Bing search engine using AI technology more powerful than chat GPT. Microsoft on Tuesday announced a revamp of its Bing search engine and edge web browser powered by artificial intelligence weeks after it confirmed plans to invest billions in open AI, the company behind chat GPT. 
With the updates, Bing will not only provide a list of search results, but will also answer questions, chat with users, and generate content in response to user queries. Microsoft said at a press event at its Redmond, Washington headquarters. Okay. And Twitter, uh, Twitter's new data access rules will make social media research harder. That's according to NPR.org. Much of what we know about social media discourse is thanks to Twitter's longtime policy of allowing free access to its data. That has made Twitter data a treasure trove for researchers eager to study online behavior, including how falsehoods and conspiracy theories circulate. Kate Starbird remembers how Twitter research dominated the field between 2015, between 2010 and 2015. But in the latest change to the social media service since billionaire Elon Musk bought the company last year, Twitter made the announcement that it would start charging users at least $100 a month for its data pipeline starting February 13, with one exception. Users that tweet less than 1,500 times a month, an average of twice an hour or less. What the heck is wrong with this man? By any means necessary, he's trying to charge for every damn... Okay, that's it. Lock my Twitter account. Me can't bother. Me really can't bother. Me really can't be bothered. Oh, folks, Javette put it in the chat. The lot codes for Fabuloso. Please check them. And the scents are lavender, lemon, passion fruit, and spring fresh and ocean scent. So check the chat, folks, for the Fabuloso, the recall on Fabuloso that you may have purchased at Dollar General on Amazon or Walmart. The scents are there. Thank you, Javette, along with the lot codes. Take a screenshot, copy and paste it somewhere so that you can go and check what you have in your cupboards so you can get your refund or something all right so yeah uh elon musk you done lost your mind i don't know i really don't know what's going on with you and while that is song is loading up allure all cried out uh to say big congratulations to lebron james he is the nba's new scoring king as he breaks kareem abdul jabbar's all-time record Inside, I'm slowly dying, dying. But the rain will hide my crying, crying, crying. so i gotta pull this one back up
want to say thank you to all the listeners that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Remember, for quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.qmzradio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone that listened on johnnoradio.com. Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. And of course, I got to give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. Thank you for tuning in to Coffee and Toll World News on the Go. Tune in every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok, Moments with Me Media. Thank you so much again to my Clubhouse family for helping to make this possible. Of course, it's always great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and always interesting perspectives. At QMC Radio and Jano Radio, this is Moments with me signing out. Abused, a fool.